before you get stuck into the podcast, we must apologise. During the recording of this episode, Adrian's hard drive lost its tiny mind and didn't save properly, so we had to revert to the backup system. The net result is about 18 minutes of audio with a slightly lower sound quality than usual. It shouldn't affect your enjoyment. Now strap yourselves in and enjoy Zap to the Past. Welcome to episode 27 of Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you have not listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. In episode 27, which covers June 1986, we're going to be looking at the first batch of games from issue 14 of Zap 64, along with what was going on in UK music that month. Graham, what can we expect in this episode? In this a la carte taster menu of an episode, nefarious alien visitors challenge our door lock decoding skills and patience in V. Our eyes and brains are isometrically challenged with the eye-boggling spin dizzy, and we painfully spin our game vectors with the Rotati Empire. We also slowly explore the two-colour frustratathon, that is Fairlight, angrily bounce our way into a pumpkin-infused rage with Cauldron 2 and stab cocktail sticks in our eyes at the mini-game monstrosity of the comet. Thankfully, it leaves us just enough time to deep-dive the depths of the ocean to find some bacon, towels and ice cream with the mysterious Raise the Titanic. Women and children first, remember. Great. <laughs> Genuinely great. <laughs> or not, I don't know. Who knows? Yes. Who knows? The, with the magic of time travel, travel Just I, will know, I, 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 I will know if that comment makes sense when you listen to the rest of this episode. Because, uh, yeah, we don't know. Who knows? Anyway, good. Uh, let's, let's get into our first game then, because um, we've got three in this section, in the first section before we head into music. Um, our first one is going to be, we're going to listen to what Graham thinks of this game. This is one of uh, Graham's favourite TV shows. It is based on a single letter, not X, not P, but V. Tell us about V, Graham. V is no longer for victory. No, actually, it is for victory. Um, so, V is based on the TV series of the same name, which was a massive mini-series. I think it was to compete with the Olympics, I think, at the time. It was, yes. Yes, so as far as I'm aware. It's an ama- it's an ama- it is an amazing TV show, and uh, it was basically a aliens are coming to Earth. They pretend to be our friends, but they're not. They're actually lizard people who are going to cannibalize us. They're... Quite rank, really. It's a nasty relationship that they've got. Well, if they're lizards, if they're lizards, it's not cannibalism, is it? We're well, not the same well, as them. Eat, well, no, true, but no. To be fair, yes, they're just eating us. But they start off eating, yeah. you know, uh, mice and rats and and gerbils, and they move up that pretty that food chain pretty damn quick. I have to say, they go from like, which is odd because there's <laughs> loads of rats on Earth, and let, you know, it doesn't matter anyway. So the, anyway, so this is the game based on the TV show, and it's a huge license. This is massive. Because V was hugely popular. It was a massive, massive miniseries. Came from the US, the UK. The UK really loved it. 
it was uh, the story really of Mike Donovan, who was the kind of the resistance leader, who was a cameraman for a TV station that discovered that these visitors, the V visitors to the, the Earth, were in fact actually alien invaders intent on killing us all. And all in the TV series gets a bit, you know, sort of high Hitler via bit neo-Nazi. There's loads of loads of tropes of uh, of um, Nazi Germany and all that, all that stuff. That's that's the TV show. The game mm-hmm. is based on that. So you think you'd think so much mileage to go at, so much good stuff to go at, right? Mm-hmm. Great characters, great spaceships and lasers and stuff and motherships <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and let's just before we dive into the game too deeply let's just remember that there are moments in this tv series that literally uh, are landmark moments this was a million dollars an episode tv show it's massive and um at its heyday some of the imagery of this of the tv show the spaceship coming through the clouds the mothership coming to earth the shadow going across the earth these are all tropes that have lent themselves to things like Independence Day and so on and so on and so forth. I'm just laying the groundwork for the TV shit series <laughs> because the, the because the game has problems. So this is an ocean game made by the same people that inexplicably made uh, Super Bowl Twenty. Okay, mm. for some reason that's no, that's the natural progression. American football to be. So the idea of the game is that you are on the mothership in the in this alien mothership as Donovan, Mike Donovan, the main character of the TV show, and you've actually got to uh, either, well, both really, uh, plant these time bombs on the spaceship in certain key areas of the mothership to blow it up. At the same time, distributing the red dust. The red dust, for those that have never watched V, is the culmination of a series of events that lead to a poison which kills the aliens, but not humans. Long story short there. Nice and easy to, nice and easy to, uh, to understand. So you'd think that that kind of license, a huge TV show, super popular, easy to understand characters with quite famous actors in. You know, that was uh, Mark Singer played, who was in Beastmaster. Probably not his greatest credit, but Beastmaster. <laughs> and, uh, but he's in other stuff as well. What? All right, what's his other credit? <laughs> uh, apart, from, apart from V. Beastmaster 2? I don't know. But... It, but it, there's, there's, there was a good, good set of characters in the, in the TV ser- TV miniseries, which also became a follow-up miniseries called V: The Final Battle. All of those things are really good. It's the real vision and idea. <laughs> it's, the game just misses all of it because it, it's just stupid. So graphically, okay, it's nice. Graphically, it looks a little bit like Mission Impossible. Uh, impossible Mission. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. impossible. No, Impossible Mission. Impossible Mission. So it's got Impossible Mission. So it's got the kind of main single sprite. But um, the problem is the backgrounds in it are the mothership and they all kind of look the same and you can't get anywhere. This game is problem problematic because you cannot get anywhere. The initial stage of the game is to open these doors with kind of locks. The doors are locked by alien code. The alien code is a mathematical code, which is actually base six, believe it or not, but it's a mathematical code in an alien language, which you have to translate in order to open the doors. The doors only open for a certain amount of time and then lock again, then you've got to do it all again. So to navigate this spaceship, you've got to continuously figure out an alien code. It all sounds great in theory. In practice, it means you cannot do anything. So this game is graphically probably nice-ish. The main sprite's quite well animated. You can navigate yourself between the kind of floors. It's the very um, Roland Rats race in the sense that you've got these floors you can go up and down between and it's got that kind of feel to it. It's a platform game with bits you can pick up. The main problem is you can't go anywhere. You know, the, you, know you might spend half an hour trying to figure out that opening door on this game and therein lies the problem. Um, if you were mathematically equipped, 
you might have figured it was base six and figured out the code. But most of us, like me and probably you, mm-hmm. uh, just were just clicking on the button and hope that you would just match the symbols at some point. When they did match, the door was unlocked for maybe 20 seconds. And then you're running around the platform on the level, which looks exactly the same as everything else. You could go up and down the platforms if you are pixel mm-hmm. accurate with your character yeah. on these platforms. So you have to you can beam between levels. Something that never happens in the TV series. They're just there's just lifts. You don't have to beam. <laughs> so it just some I think I have to say something went wrong with this game. And I think that I think the truth is they made the game and somebody went, This is too easy. This game you could just do it really quickly because I think they just made it really quickly to do. So they added a complication the stupidest way possible, which was by making it impossible to navigate the mothership. And for that reason, um, I have to say, I think it's the tragedy of an ocean game with this pedigree that is awful. And so 40% from Zap is the least it deserved. I bought this game. I bought it on tape and I took it back to Boots with a complaint saying, it doesn't load because it said ready or unready. Don't know why it was doing that. So I got Green Beret instead. So there you go. That was my. Uh, that was what my experience of it was. And I am a huge fan of V. I have to say, and still am. I love the TV show. This game is a travesty, and it's just it is because there's such great material. We said it about Back to the Future. Such great material, but such stupid decisions have made this game impenetrable. I mean, did you get past that first door? And how long did it, it take? It took a while. I did get through it. Yes, um, because I, I did. I thought to myself, and I remember doing it once back when I played it very, very long time ago. Um, but yes, I, d- I did manage to get through because I, I just brute forced my way into it and I looked at what was changing every time until I just but look, managed to fluke my way through it and it opened. In, act of, in actual fact, um, I, I got it open, went, hey, and then sort of ran back and forth a little bit thinking it was going to stay open and then it closed again. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's like crying. That but, angered but, me. But, however, though, you can just flick one of the switches, just flick them around again. And once they click back into whatever it is again, it'll open again. So that yeah, wasn't yeah. too bad. That wasn't too bad. So I, I ran off and ran through. It was at that point for me. I mean, yes, that opening section is incomprehensibly stupid. And whoever thought of that? Yeah, because you know, the instructions the, the, are really, really, really vague. Something that both Zap and everyone in their own universe, including the people of the planet of V, have all said. <laughs> Is that where they come from? Planet B. Should have given them away. No, to be fair, there is that. I'm not sure what the actual name of the planet is, but I think it's, it's not. It's not Planet V. It, it probably should be. It's Vega or something. It should be. Vlevler. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So you get out. You get out the door, and then it, what? It's it's so dull. This game Samey. is so so dull and boring. It's you know I've just put here. You run around bland grey corridors and rubbish green teleporters. And you just go from floor to floor. I tell you one thing I don't remember from V is robots. Uh, yeah, there are none. So why is the the spaceship that you're running around populated only by robots? Where are the lizards? Where are they? Where are the humanoid yes. lizards? There yes. are none of them. <laughs> why is yes. it my gun always f- runs out of juice? Or so I can't shoot anymore? Yep, it's yep, rubbish. Yep. The main. The, the, I'll give it. Yeah, the main sprite is nice. It's the typical ocean high res overlay sprite. Um, because yeah. there's not much else. The background is dull as hell. The scrolling is good. Yeah. There's a quite a chunk of it. But God damn, it's just... It's a, a crap impossible mission knockoff. And uh, my final comment on this is I just flicked the Vs at this nonsense. Um, because there's <laughs> nothing else to be said. No, it's I just agree. It's rubbish. It's it, a travesty. It, it is. I My thought on this is... I think we said this about Roland Rat as well, um, and that somebody had made something, and then someone went, "Oh, we've got the we've got this license. Put it on it. Yeah, check, check, make it into V." Because even that title screen, 
Yeah. Oh, Awful. it's just so. It's, there's nothing to it. It troubles um, me. Yeah, that title screen could hint at an interesting game because it's quite. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot to it, and you're thinking, okay, so is, is this going to be some interesting game? No, no, it's not interesting. It's boring. Even when you get out that doorway and you just run back and forth and you do the overly. What, so what was the other game we saw this in? The overly massive somersault. There was uh, another one. Not noted mission. yet, Sod. Impossible mission. But this is even worse. It's even yeah. more. It's like, ah, oh, there are other ways to jump. <laughs> I don't remember Mike Donovan somersaulting everywhere. He doesn't. And that, the thing is, with the V, there's other characters. Where's Michael the, Ironside? Yeah, where's Michael Ironside? Where's Julie? Where's Diana? I mean, these. Yeah, exactly. That's my main memory of V, is her, her elongating mouth. And I there's like good reason Diana for that. Lot. Yeah, exactly. I like Diana a lot. Yeah. It's, where, it's, where, like you said, it's a game, and on the advert for this, the crap. Bert, the crap first. Yeah. They made a big thing about it being lizard people. Well, where are they in the game? I don't see any. In fact, and I can tell you, I've completed V, the game. There are no lizard people in it. It's a complete and utter mystery. It's rubbish. How? How is that? The, the game's about lizards in human flesh coming down, as you said, to Earth to eat us, to, to strip mine the Earth and, and no. use all our resources. Exactly. And, you know, what the hell? Yeah, no. In a, the TV show at one point featured. Sybil Danning as an alien. If you can't make anything of a game with Sybil <laughs> and with Sybil Danning as a character, then there's something very wrong. There's um, something very wrong. But I have a fe- I have rubbish. a feeling this this was not a V game. No. This was another game that got morphed into V. Exactly. Like we said about Roland Rat. And Doctor Who. And Doctor Who. This has got I V think... clothes on. <laughs> yeah, and bad ones. Because this yes. you know, this could this could be any. Oh, you're on a spaceship and you need to explore it and do this stuff. Like you said, there's no there's no um in in game itself, you your character it could be anyone. It could be Bobby Smith. It, it, it is. Could be, it, it could be John John Collins. It could be anyone. Exactly. It could be the you guitarist do- Donovan. <laughs> that I'd get behind. <laughs> the, folk, the folk guitarist Van Morrison. If it's called V, maybe it's Van Morrison. <laughs> Van Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> could be anyone. There's nothing to. There's, there's no. There's no correlation between this game aside from the title screen and the TV show. None. No. At all. And that, no. to me, spells this... I mean, Rambo looked like Rambo. The main yes. plot of the game Rambo follows the film. Yeah. So you can see that they watched the film and went, all right, we're going to make the main main sections of Rambo into a game. This yep. is... And I know it's a miniseries, there's lots of it, but there's just none of it. None of it. Garbage. I really... Yeah, yeah. disappointing it, it, on every it, level. Ang- it, I have to say, it angered me. I thought it would. That's and why I thought I'd give this one to you. I often get too angry at things with games. Actually, that's a lie. I really... I often get angry with them. <laughs> but uh, this angered me because of so many different factors. Not just the fact that it was a really good premise and the sci-fi show is good and the TV show is good and there's great characters and all those things that... If, even if you'd have made this like Zap McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders and just made it a game like that, it would have been better than what they attempted because this felt like a game made on the cheap. So, you know what? 40% yeah. is generous. The sound, by it the is. way, just, just as an aside, the sound effects are crap. One continuous woo 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 oh, sound. It's just draining, isn't it? Which doesn't especially, happen in the TV show. So, especially when you spend half an hour trying to solve that bloody puzzle to get out the first yeah. Yeah, because you, section it, exactly it drives and, and you that, mad. It's just stupid. Don't make a game impossible to navigate. I mean, even if this game was no. was less than crap, which it isn't, but if it was less than crap, making it full of locked doors that are difficult to crack is really stupid. Mm-hmm. So no, 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 no. 
such a shame because V is, is a good license, but there was never another V game either. This was the only one, so tragic. Well, probably no one wanted to touch it with a barge pole after this. Well, exactly. You know what? The barge pole was tainted. It was, you know, it was covered in bog water. <laughs> it was awful. That's true. No, no more. Like, yeah, probably Diana swallowed it. <laughs> See, now Diana, I liked. And for yeah, those that are interested, <laughs> as an aside, she is a now a successful recording music artist who is her own YouTube channel. So go and check that out. Under, um, okay. I don't know her real name. The woman that played Diana in V is how you'll find her, as I did. Don't, yeah, okay, there you go. That's the past recommendation. Yes, go Better do that. Go listen to that than play V, because it's crap. Because it's dog egg. Yeah, proper dog egg. Right, our next one. Because, yeah, no, no more V. Okay, so what is our next one? Our next one is this issue's gold medal. Um, so this is Spin Dizzy. Spin dizzy, all the spinny, all the dizzy. All the spinning uh, of the spinny. I, you never want to get stuck in the spinny. Don't get stuck in a spinny. <laughs> never get stuck I, in the spinny. I, I, really th- I thought there was only one spinny, and I've actually come across two. There are oh, two no. spinnies. Two spinnies? Yes, there's one oh, in Grimsby, a spinny, and that it is, and I found another one in, I think it was Lincoln, actually. There's two spinnies. Oh. Is that a spin-eye? No, it was a spin. It was it, is no, it, two of them. Two of them. I mean, is that oh, the plural? The, oh, the plural for spinners. I don't know. Is it spinners or is it like no, genii? The spinners were. At, what are we even talking about? <laughs> spin dizzy. Spin dizzy. All right. So, what do we do in spin dizzy? What is spin dizzy? Spin dizzy. In spin dizzy, we control Gerald, a gyroscopic environmental reconnaissance and land mapping device. There you go. That's uh, that's not a for, that's not a forced acronym if I've ever heard one. It's very Asimov. Uh, that it's very yes. Uh, so. Uh, Spin Dizzy is a multi-screen isometric map-em-up and I do say map-em-up because that's the point of the game the point of the game is to map a strange interdimensional world that is hanging in space um, each screen is seen from an isometric viewpoint um, and you're, you pilot Gerald which is uh, an inverted pyramid thing, it's like a spinning top I think is the kind of one of the things you push down and they spin and they go around I don't know, it's something like that anyway so you have a, a point at the bottom and a sort of triangular or square pyramid type thing with a point, and you, but you're inverted. So you spin on this top and you move around and you have to navigate this world. The world is made up of planes, slopes, uh, gradations, and that's the whole point because the, the thing with this game is it's all inertia-based. Um, Gerald will carry on, you know, you push left, right, up, down, uh, and that moves. You can move in eight directions, so all eight directions are counted for on the joystick. Um, and so push in one of those directions and Gerald will move in that way, but he won't just stop when you stop. He will have inertia and you need to control that. You need to hold it down. You need to build up speed. If you want to go up uh, some slopes, you can press the fire button for a boost uh, at opportune times, but obviously most slopes will then quickly head downwards and then you're dragging on the opposite direction to try and slow yourself down. But if you not, you'll plummet into space. You have a limited number of time to find all the screens, to map all the screens. And this is a huge game. So what is it, four, five hundred odd screens? Um, and you've Easily got to map them all. Them, yeah, so there's loads and loads of screens. On these, on some of these screens, and in very, very hard-to-reach places, there are gems. Those gems, collect those, and they basically the time extensions, as far as I can make out. They, they give you more time. So collecting the gems is paramount, uh, paramount importance, if you wish to continue through the game. Because if you don't, you'll soon run out of time, and it'll, at the end, it will give you... Uh, you know, a grade. You've you've found three percent of the map. You found seven percent of the map. That's whatever it is. Um, it's very hard because controlling anything with inertia with eight digital inputs is tricky. Yeah. Um, yep, and yep, so yep. that that is one of the main things about this game. This is going to challenge you. Um, however, 
However, we have made it clear on Zap to the Past in the past that we are not hugely a fan of isometric viewpoints. Okay? It's been very, very clear, at least for yeah, me. It has. Um, it's been isometrically clear. We've seen it from a particular angle <laughs> <laughs> that we're not. Very good. Um, so Silu, Chimera, um, Nightshade. Uh, has there been any others? There's another one we're going to talk about, which we probably won't like. Ah. Um <laughs> we'll talk about it slowly duissimo <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about because you have to um, anyway that's later Such uh, ass. but this one is pacey it's fast and it looks quite nice it owes yes. a lot in a certain sense you could say it owes a lot to Marble Madness but I'm not yeah. sure it really does that gyroscope is you, you, gyroscope is the one I was thinking of but gyroscope is your Marble Madness clone this is more you know, your Night Law, your, like I said, your Chimera. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. so distinct from that. But it has some very nice um, and additional elements it that aid, aid your traversal through this game. You can flip the viewpoint 90 degrees. Which so you is can very see, clever. Very clever. So you can see each screen from all four cardinal um, direction points. So if, if you if you get lost, if there's a construction on the on the screen and you keep getting stuck behind it, you just press the F1, F3, F5, and F7, and that you yep. see the see the screen from a different angle from the really, four sides. Really, nice and very useful because what it also has in the bottom right corner is an arrow, uh, which uh, uh, which will change to I think always be pointing north. So you can keep in your head which way. Oh, actually, that no, and I've, I've flipped the screen a few times, but I know which way I came in because the way that arrow is pointed. As long as that arrow is there, so you can you kind of get a mental map of everything. So that's a very nice, a very nice switch. The graphics are nice and bright. Um, it's very colourful. Um, to me, there's um, a directional link. I, I don't know if you ever played it down the line, but in part, some of this reminded me of Super Monkey Ball. Um, I don't know if you ever played that further down yes. the line. No, for me, it did. And I, I also had a little bit of Captain Toad in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Captain Toad's treasure tracker, yeah, because that's obviously seen from those cardinal points. You can swap, exactly, but, yeah. but you can spin that diorama around. Cartesian coordinate type yeah, thing. Yeah, I think that's actually quite a good call. I didn't spot that, but yeah. Um, but Super Monkey Ball, with its narrow tracks and inertia-based... I mean, anyone that's played Monkey Ball will probably remember uh, Expert Level 7 for its nightmare. Um, I still wake up in cold sweats on that bloody yeah. level. Um, and so there are hints of this in there. So And that's what this game felt like more to me. And, it's, and it gets away from that usual boring rubbishness of these isometric ad adventures you know the your, your silos your chimeras where you've got to go into these things or you're killed by radiators silo. This is just, it's just <laughs> don't say the word silo at me silo chimera silo uh, <laughs> chimera no 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 this actually works it because it's simple all it's asking you to do is just map it go map it Go explore yes. any direction you want. Off you go. Try and solve it. Try and work it out. And it's clever in that respect. It's nice and simple. Um, and it doesn't. It, what it asks of you is arcade-like almost. It, it's it's not asking you to be too much adventure. -y. It's just try and control. Try and learn. The whole point of this is gaining control of that of Gerald. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's it. Really. There's nothing much more to it. It's just really, really well made and well done. And I was surprised playing this. I did play it back when it came out. I never really got onto it because I think it was just a bit too hard. I enjoyed my time with it more this time because I, I, I probably, you know, a bit more, I, I, I kind of appreciated the clever touches that it has. Um, now, the way, just as, a, as an aside, as a strange aside, 
There was I, I put two versions in there. There's one with and one without music. And now, it seems what that, was the, that? The, it seems that the music. As uh, I, I looked around, hunted around the internet, and the only version, the only thing I could find, some if if we're wrong, correct me. But the only thing I could find referring to this was it was the NTSC version, which the only one that had music. The PAL version okay. does not. So the US version, essentially. Yeah, the US version. Yeah. Um, and with it, it's, it's strange. If you play them both without it, it's kind of it, it's kind of a bit. It's a very strangely different atmosphere because the music is quite. It's a bit wizardry esque, isn't it? Than if you tried it, it's, yeah, it's that it's, kind yeah, of ja- yeah, ja- exactly ja- jaunty. It sounded um, like um, wizardry. It did sound like wizardry, and but without it, it has a completely different atmosphere. I was surprised with this because you know it's isometric, it's tricky to control, it's you know what's this going to be like. I quite enjoyed my time with this, um, and I can see why Zap gave it the gold medal because I think there's, a, there's some very very clever elements in this um, that uh, that w- they would obviously quite lap up at the time. I think, and I can see that. Uh, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? I don't know. Did you? Well, let me tell you this. Um, I don't like isometric games. I've made no secret of that, <laughs> and that that is something I've said a lot. However, <laughs> um, I have to say with spin dizzy i was a little bit surprised i actually quite enjoyed it um i enjoyed it for the same reason that i quite enjoyed the captain toad kind of prince principle of a game the the, the premise of this game wasn't that you're going to fall off a ledge super easy oh, there is that to it and that but was you oh but, you will fall off ledges easily yeah but the, the main thing is once you get to grips with the control and the viewpoints and you can change those um the game becomes one of just really it's kind of tactical and i and i actually quite enjoyed it so I thought that the graphics are actually pretty good for what they are. They're quite they're yeah. rendered fast. The main sprite is you no, know, is really fast when it zoops, you know, sort of zips and and flies about. Um, I thought it was clever. Um, like you say, there seems to be two versions, doesn't there? One with music, one without. I don't quite know how that works, but either, the music didn't add a lot to the game. I don't think, but um, and it does require kind of that pixel perfect control almost in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You go into this game knowing that. And um, it is difficult, and that is kind of the theme for this podcast. Some of these games are, in this month, are crazy, <laughs> crazy difficult. Yes. <laughs> so, and I think that kind of put me off in the end, the the, the eventual difficulty. Uh, but I actually liked it. I don't like isometric, but I like this. I think because it wasn't like an isometric explore the dungeon-a-thon or mm. that kind of thing. This was just a, a puzzle game, and you had to figure out the puzzles and... They were puzzles of dimensional things. So turn the screen round and know where you do it, know what you're doing and know where you are and control the speed of the the spin dizzy that you're controlling, the Gerald that you're controlling. Mm-hmm. I quite liked it. I don't know if it needed all the Gerald, the robot and all the <laughs> the money to solve, your, you know, save your energy and all that. don't know that it needed all that complexity around the kind of, I suppose they had to add something to it. But I can understand why Zap liked it because they seem to like this kind of game a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that it would get the kind of score that it did, which was 98%, I believe. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? Which is odd for a game with no... Re- for The one they reviewed was no sound. Yeah. So, so it had, And it does have kind of perfunctory bleeps, bloops, whatever. So it goes along with the whole kind of idea that at this time, Zap are liking original concept games and they're, they're, they're kind of patting the developers of these original concept games and the everything else, the fluidity of them and the graphics on the back. Mm. Um, as we'll see later in this podcast, these things are set to come at odds with certain types of game. But I, I quite like my time with Spin Dizzy and I think... Is it that my 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 main question with Spin Dizzy was? Is it a game I'm going to go back to? Is it a game that I'd go back and play a lot? 
Is it something I want to go and complete? And I think I'd get tired of looking at the same kind of landscapes in the same kind of way and the same kind of problems. And But you know what? It wasn't a game I played at all back in the day. So this was kind of a new experience for me. I, and, I, and I actually thought going into it, it's just another Marble Madness clone, which it really isn't. No, it's so not. So I no. think had I had this back in the day... I probably would have stuck with it a bit more, so it's all right. I don't know that it's 98% all right, but it's all right, and I did enjoy it. Mm. And I'd recommend people give it a shot, because the graphics and the, the way it plays are very, very, very clever, and there's not a lot of games like it, really, that do it that clever on the C64, so I'd say go give it a blast, give it a go, but expect to be really angry in about mm-hmm. 32 would seconds. You, so. would, you, would, you, would you say um, go give it a spin? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes okay would you tell me uh, tell me yes. would you <laughs> did, did, did it make you dizzy with happiness uh no no it's better than the other i never like i never like the other dizzy bloody egg oh we'll come to chucky egg or dizzy egg what, what is that dizzy isn't it dizzy, is dizzy the egg. yeah dizzy honestly. the egg honestly dizzy um, egg. but it is but, i think i think because it's so very 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 hard um it I is think, hard it is yes it is because I was playing it, and it's it's not just hard, but unforgiving hard. But well, it's it's hard because but, you're trying to, like I said, you're trying to control something with gravity and inertia with digital yeah. inputs. Yes, yes. But like you uh, said, um, in an episode or two ago, you know, this could have been done on a on a, on a more forgiving methodology. Um, it is it is almost directionally controlled, but there is a way of gating the controls on a joystick so that you don't quite have the lunatic speed of putting <laughs> fully to the top right and corner and because it's isometric it does throw that and did you by the way did you did you play the two-player game the two-player game one player has control of the up and down the other player has control of the left and right that's how the two-player works on spin dizzy so it's what i i, I was gonna say <laughs> that is like borderline no that's a that's, I, a I mar- that, that's marriage breaker material i was gonna say that's a fight way to happen that's you know if there ever was going to be a game that just was a glove slap Waiting to happen. And, Move and, left. You know, left. Left. I said left. 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 I said left. You've gone right. Dual, that's, that is pistols at dawn material. That is the only other game I can imagine that causes the same level of familial catastrophe is Mario Brothers on the Wii U. Oh, oh no. Don't talk to me about the new new Super Mario Brothers games. <laughs> yeah. It's just... So, oh, that's what I mean. Yoshi, so, Yoshi, or, or the Yoshi game as well. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, so <laughs> you are, you are going to end up you know killing people because of that. Why am I in a bubble so. again? Why? Yeah, exactly. No, bubble up. No. Anyway, <laughs> I liked it, and it's worth playing, but it is really crazy hard, so no. it is, Ex- yeah. expect it, I think. Expect that. Yeah, but, yeah, good, though. Yeah, yeah it's good. It. Unexpectedly liked, I think, is the the uh, the, the verdict there. Probably the Incredible not what... Hulk. He was likeable. Yeah, he was unexpectedly licked. Hey. <laughs> As well, he's always... a Hulk. No one wants to lick a Hulk. Are you going to lick the Hulk? Go lick the Hulk. No. I'm not oh, lick- no. He <laughs> tasted gamma. Is <laughs> it gammon? Gamma. All oh, right. I was going to say. He could, taste would- of, he could taste of gammon. In a peculiar twist, the Hulk tastes of, like, uh, properly boiled ham. <laughs> ham Hulk. I love a ham, ham Hulk. Hulk. Ham Hulk. Instead of ham hock. Yeah, I love a ham Hulk. A ham Hulk. How do you like the soup? Reinforced? It's really, it's really strong. It's angry. This soup's angry. <laughs> anyway, Just don't look at it funny, or you're gonna get, you're gonna get beaten to a pulp. 
What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Being... Right, anyway. <laughs> Hulk. Hulk. Anyway, let's move on. Spin Dizzy was good. We like that. Probably more than we're going to like the next one. I suspect that might be true. Because our next one is... Uh, it's a Firebird game. Always a sign, sure fire <laughs> sign of quality. <laughs> as real, we've come to real as quality from Firebird, <laughs> as, yeah. As we've come to expect, this is Empire. Um, go on, Graham. <laughs> you tell us about Empire. Oh, do I have to? Yes, it you is know, your. That's why some, we do this podcast. <laughs> but in some miraculous world of Zap, this got seventy six percent. Oh God knows how it got. Which that. means it's three quarters of the way to being amazing. But I can tell you, it is. <laughs> A one quarter away from being utter <laughs> shite. <laughs> and that is as much information as you need. Um, so you are the pilot of a spacecraft. Um, uh, it's set during a period of space colony, colonization. Um, you've got a load of star sim- systems to explore. It's presented in a, now, I want to say top-down 2D rotating view. But it's kind of like asteroids that rotate. It's kind of like, um, also a bit like um, Astro Wars. The old uh, grandstand game, yeah, a little circular yeah. on a circular screen. That, so you rotate the screen around your main spaceship, and you can shoot at things. And the idea is that you can navigate around. You can go through warp holes, and you get this weird, crappy tunnel game, which is kind of like a. If you imagine squares coming towards you, and you've got a kind of a different positions, you've got to try and fly your way through the tunnel. <laughs> So you do that, and then you end up on a planet, believe it or not. Did you get to the planet's surface? You yeah, end up I on did. Planet I surface did get to the planet, yes. With yes, trees, yes. the trees flying towards you, the trees uh-huh. in 3D, or, well, pseudo 3D. It's a bit like uh, Book Rogers with trees, in my uh-huh. estimation, but not even the, perhaps as fast as that. So the idea is that you uh, um flying around and navigating in this thing, and you've got to sort of uh, complete these missions and get supplies, and it doesn't really matter. If you can get to that particular element of this game through all of the crazy, stupid rubbish, you're doing very well. My problem with this was that this is kind of a vector-ish, spinny-ish game. The controls were kind of weird because you kind of rotate the whole screen around. It felt like an asteroid that was on crack, quite frankly. (laughs) Um, You have to think about uh, sort of attacking enemies. The bullet logic is beyond stupid so if you fire your bullets and then rotate the bullets rotate which kind of makes sense in a kind of physical way maybe but it doesn't make any sense in the kind of game that you're shooting unless those bullets happen to shoot at no miles an hour so you fire that bullet and it doesn't go at a velocity that is able to be non-affected by your rotation which makes no sense so for our listeners, so, for our listeners there, the the, um, the expression of non plus vulnerability <laughs> on Graham's face is something I should really have taken a photo of. <laughs> so the, the, there's a, there's a, there is a <laughs> asteroid-ish quality to this because you're attacked all the time by these things, and if you can stay straight enough, and I mean by that I mean um, your spaceship stays in the position enough to fire bullets at a straight position towards the enemy, and you might blow them up. That is what's happened. Um, but apart from that, um, you can't really get into this game. So I flew around in this weird vector-ish world, um, trying to sort of navigate my way through squares to more squares. <laughs> I ended up on a badly rendered planet with kind of crap trees flying towards me at some point. I'm not even sure what I was shooting at really at that point. Things moved so fast towards me. 
I didn't even have time to react. I'm not sure what I was shooting at at that point. It was just stupid. And then I came upon, I came across a pyramid on this alien world. I was like, hey, there's a pyramid. And then suddenly I was back in space and yep. back to <laughs> where I was. Yeah. Yep. So aside from an interesting loading screen, which has an enormous Bob logo on it. So I think it's by Bob. Mm. Um, I just don't know that I got so far into this game that I delved into the entire world of it. Um, I just ended up flying at warp speed for some reason, shooting at things in inexplicable angular difficulty um, for no reason. And it's just pretty, I felt pretty awful. And I get that Zap thought there was a big game and you could get into it and you could really do this and that and the other. But I, I didn't get that from this. I felt this game was kind of a, a bit of a, at 9.95, a bit of a complex ripoff, really. But what did you think? Well, to be fair, that's exactly... Everything you've said there is pretty much everything I, I agree with. They made some strange choice of... They move the world, don't they, rather than move the ship. You rotate the mm. world around the ship, so the bullets... Yeah, they rotate with the world. So once they're out of you, out of you, fired them, they're in the world. So when you rotate... But that Which takes means them getting they have used no to. velocity, though. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's still kind of strange... I did exactly the same, went through the tunnel, well, went to that square, went through the tunnel, um, went to a planet, flew through some trees, flew through some, they're mines, by the way, the things that are coming at you, right. um, and then found the pyramid and was back in space. The thing what I'm getting from a lot of these games um, of late is that, and we had this with the Electroglide, I think, as well, because there's some nice tech yes, here. Yes, yes, there is here. But there's little game. There's very little game. It's it's like we've entered, we've entered a period where... Um, at this point in 1986, we seem to have entered a period where programmers are getting are finding these clever tricks to do like vector graphic transitions because there's that on this title screen again, isn't there? And these weird, you know, when you go in, you go from this small spaceship to into the tunnel, it doesn't flick you. It's like zooms in and vectors around you and all this. And there seems to be, you know, th- th- more programming techniques and tricks and clever stuff is going on, and that is getting in the way of the games. Yeah, um, that's where we seem to be with a lot of this stuff at the moment, um, and we're seeing it in quite a number of games. I think we're just seeing, oh, isn't this clever? Rather than does it add anything to the game? It's like the transition yeah. when you land in Blade Runner it takes so bloody long; it's boring. <laughs> and this, yes. you know, the, the the switch. I just want you know because you don't just get the um, the the zoom from the ship to the thingy. The, the circle closes in and it all warps and changes and thingy. And the, it's all just it's too much. It's too long. I don't need these transitions. Just flick me from bit to bit. No, no. Um, and the, the, the soundtrack was almost bitonal. It was weird. Well, well, I put um, a soundtrack that works its way into your head until murder ensues. Um, <laughs> Very true. Yeah, it just, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kill someone soon. Bloody, bloody tune going on. Yeah. Um, but it just never felt like it was going anywhere. Um, do it, you, every now and again, you got, like, did you get the message? Oh, you can shoot, you can shoot enemy ships now for credits or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Didn't know what it meant. Uh, no, no, no one did. Um, I couldn't find. It said you, I think I had to get to the pyramid to get some pods and go to the pods, then to get to these strange circle things that would initiate some. Tra- I couldn't find any trading. I couldn't find any pods. I didn't know what the hell was going on. There's some nice tech here, but there's so little game here, and it, it, that it's hidden oh. behind all that. That bah, yeah, <laughs> I just, ultimate bah. Yeah, I had I had no 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 clue really what was going on, and I, and I think that this is all. It's all you know. It's all trousers, no legs. Um, yeah, lots of things attacking you with stupid bullet logic makes no sense in a game that is rotationally challenged. <laughs> yeah, and then the the stupid squares, which again, I mean that square sequence is quite clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, now that I liked, but and but it, and it reminded me of an Aliens game that comes later down the line. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, five by five, we're in the pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that that it's nice, 
but it's it's all in service to nothing. That was the problem. So yep. so Empire, no, no, I didn't I didn't, you know Dumpire. No. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. A dumpire of a game. Yeah, there yes. we go. Dumpire, Empire. We don't like Empire. I didn't think it was very good. Um, and no. just, just very little there. There is, like no. I said, some, some nice tech. 76% and- though. Come on. At 10 quid, 76 <laughs> get, get real. This episode's <laughs> full of crazy zap scores, and that's just a stupid one. Yeah, it's quite high scoring episode, this, isn't it? In zap. That is a. That is a very high score, which makes me think that they fell for the game, but didn't did they play it? Because I played that game, and it was it it is it is not fifty percent maybe for the effort, but come on, it's not seventy six percent. Yeah, that is better than Commando and Rambo. It's like a rubbish prog album. Yeah. Like you, you know, you yes. can appreciate you can appreciate the tech technical wizardry of, of making a song in eleven yes. fifteen um, and playing <laughs> that, and you get it sort of thing that it's thirty seven minutes long. You tell you this to a lot of rush, by the way, by that <laughs> that very statement. <laughs> but you know, there comes a point when you're like, "This is just technically, this is just yes. technically very good." But if rubbish. we're changing time signatures on every beat, <laughs> like like what Rush do, <laughs> no, they do. well, yeah, they're right, they do. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's what it's like. It's a it's a yeah a shit prog album. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a shit prog album that is unlistenable because the soundtrack is crap. Oh, yeah, it's so dreadful. Just, it's dreadful. just rubbish, 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 rubbish. Yeah, there we go. That's our first three games for this uh, for this week. Uh, so, yeah, um, V, Spin Dizzy and Empire. Let's move on. Let's finish this section and let's move on in a moment. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be looking at music uh, in June 1986. So please stay with us. our sponsor davidhernwriter.com where you'll find dirt cheap books dave's next book escape from the commodore 64 sees someone stuck in their computer they have to solve one of the games to escape imagine finding yourself in a cave full of precarious rocks glittery diamonds and lethal butterflies can you get through all the levels for real it's coming soon via amazon kindle and audible visit davidhernwriter.com that's david h-e-a-r-n-e writer.com to find out more all right welcome back so music in june 1986 what was going on um as as ever let's start with the number one singles so yeah it's not pete burns is it (laughs) (laughs) it's really not it's really not pete burns um, I said, no. so number one for three weeks, first three weeks is Spirit in the Sky by Doctor and the Medics. She's not Pete Burns. I, I, for some reason in my head, I've got them mixed up. But you've put either Pete Burns, um, what have you put here? Pete Burns so, has spin so me around. So Clive Jackson is the lead singer of Yeah, uh, They've got similar Doctor hair. And that's, the what, medics. that's what it is. They, they, well, they had big hair and they had gothy contingents. And uh, they did do a cover of uh, You Spin Me Round. Yeah. So so I can understand a little bit. <laughs> I don't know that Clive Jackson they're still going. <laughs> I know. Doctor and the medics are still going. They're still doing their thing. They're still doctoring and medicking. I mean you may wonder Med- what the medicating. hell we're going on about it, because I have said to please edit that out the previous episode, so I don't know if it's been edited out yeah. at this point. <laughs> no, it's still there. It's there. there's a little there's a little warning before it. The long and the short of it is Eddie th- Eddie? Eddie. 
for some reason, I'm going to call you Eddie because we may as well do that. Oh, Eddie. All right. Uh, Eddie, okay. Uh, Eddie thought that Eddie. Eddie thought that um, the leads. Eddie just mistake was mistaken and thought that Doctor and the Minx were, <laughs> were were dead or dead or alive, which were a totally different band in every capacity they could be. But they did look the same and they're kind of gothicy. And Doctor and the Minx did do a cover of a Dead or Alive song, so. I think I think it's fair to say that that's an easy mistake to make. We, we've all been there. <laughs> it's an easy mistake to make. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not it's not a great song, is it? And it's not even their song. Cause, it's uh, not. It's an old cover. This guy's an old. It's an old cover. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but it was um, number one for how long? Three, three weeks. Three weeks. Goodness. Uh, final two weeks of the month, we had "The Edge of Heaven" from Wham. Uh, which is a don't, one. Don't remember it. Take me to the edge of edge heaven. Of heaven. Oh, oh, yeah, now I do. That was such a great version. <laughs> I instantly recognised it. Do you re- did you or not? Did you not recognise it? Yes, I did. There you Karaoke go. Karaoke classic. <laughs> there you go. Yes. That's all you need. You know, it's it's half the battle. <laughs> all I need is auto tune, and I could be a world famous singer. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Auto-tune from about five years in the future when so, it can so, do So the number one albums. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. <laughs> number one album. So, uh, no, I mean, that so was first week. I think we mentioned that last time uh, by Peter Gabriel. That was uh, number one for one week. Then we had some, this is a bit of a MOR big hitters this month, isn't it? Uh, yes. Because uh, then number one for the next week was A Kind of Magic from Queen. Um, and you've noticed this your note here. This Queen album is yes. based on the soundtrack. Is this of Highlander? How can you base yes. an album on a soundtrack? Exactly. I thought, this, I thought this was the soundtrack. Exactly. No, it's not. It's based on the soundtrack. And that's what made me nervous because the last thing that was based on the soundtrack that we encountered <laughs> was, was Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. <laughs> so is this a theme? Is this the thing now? You're just going to base it on the soundtrack of the thing? Well, I, but what? So I, hang on a minute. Let me get this straight. Because is. Is there a sort of just a typical normal soundtrack to it? I thought it was all Queen music, yes. by the way. No. Is there an orchestral no. music piece it's, it's, to... It's oh. easy to think that, but that's not the case. Hmm. Okay. Well, there is, there is an orchestral piece to Highlanders. So how, how, how then would you base your your Queen album, if you were Freddie Mercury and the boys, um, on 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 piece of orchestral stuff? Or would you base it on, you know... The Highlander stuff that goes on in the film. Well, exactly. <laughs> Tonally, this is clearly about lonely Scotsmen <laughs> who meet Egyptian... Played by uh, Scotsmen. <laughs> Egyptian people <laughs> played by Scotsmen. Well, it's actually it's about Scotsmen played by Frenchmen that meet Egyptians <laughs> played by Scotsmen. So it's a complex web weave, if you will. <laughs> of, nat- uh, of, of nationalities. Uh, uh, <laughs> nationalities and it's a souffle if you like a, a frothy souffle highlander uh... you know i i'm going to come out and say that i i hate highlander i really don't like yeah, the film it's no. a mess of a it's a mess of a kurgan terrible <laughs> it's terrible it just feels like someone's done a massive kurgan on it i watched it recently because i wanted to watch it recently shouldn't have. and and it is just awful yeah it's um, terrible it's, it is bad, and it's bad. And you can tell it's made bad ways. You can tell it's made by a director who just directs music videos. Yeah, you can. Mulcahy. I know Mulcahy's done other stuff, but he's famous for most famous for most of his music videos. I think, isn't he? Yeah, most of the vid- music videos he did were like Duran Duran. Yeah, so, uh, and this reflex and, and stuff like that. And and Highlander feels like a music video stretched out, as in it makes no sense and it's just full of stupid imagery. 
It's rubbish. A lot of it's shot in New York. It's just rubbish. Why am I even saying that? It just don't even bother with it. True. This yeah. album, the album of a kind of magic from Queen, will not lead you to Highlander. Um, it will lead you into thinking, is this something to do with that film? <laughs> yeah, it is. The soundtrack. I think that's. I think that's the kind of the point. So. Okay. Well, anyway, that was only number one for one week. For the last three weeks of the month, we had Invisible Touch by Genesis. <laughs> you like that, though, don't you? That's a great album. I still like that to this day. Da, da, yes. da, da, the Invisible yeah, Touch. Da, my, fa- my favourite Genesis album by Country Mile. That, he's got the Brazilians on that one, right? Uh, yes, it is, yes. And the song about a specific kind of female waxing. I, I'm guessing so. That's why there's no lyrics. Well, okay, well. No lyrics, it's all, it's all shave, that one. <laughs> it's, it's a song straight down the middle. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, well, that'll be in there. I'll add that. Don't you worry about that. Anyway, if you've noticed this, a Hupagium, is that a real name? Who? You put this in the notes. You yes, yes, that, yes, <laughs> that is his name. That's a very important thing to note about the album. <laughs> is it? Go on, you tell us. Tell us yes, about so this album, Graham. Hugh, Hugh Padgham, <laughs> who's the producer of Invisible Touch and probably loads of other stuff around that time, um, he created the gated reverb drum, um, which became the template for much, most of, pretty much all of, the recorded pop drum sounds of the 1980s. So if you listen to the... Uh, because if uh, without going to lots of complex sound description, um, go and listen to uh, any track off Invisible Touch. You'll notice there's a specific kind of, especially kick drum, but a specific kind of drum sound where they are very, very heavily gated. And the gated reverb means that they, they don't echo and they don't sound like they're in a room. They're just kind of, it's cut off at a certain point. So it sort of sounds a bit like it's in a room, but then it cuts off. Um, just listen to it because it's easier to listen to than it is described. <laughs> Um, but a lot of albums after maybe, that. Maybe you like could that, actually in, just insert a, an example here. I'll, I will. I'll insert a couple of examples right now. So there's some examples now. And that's what I mean by what I'm saying. I know exactly so, what it sounds like now. And exactly. And loads of albums in that time zone uh, did sound a bit like that. A lot of them did. So um, as you can hear right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to put anything in that bit, though, just for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go so yeah gated reverb is the winning formula for invisible touch and genesis next week on a on, on drummer weekly <laughs> yeah. we'll we discuss non-gated reverb drums <laughs> and the difference for genesis was and brushes or sticks you choose <laughs> um new release of note singles wise let's move into these first of june we had happy hour by the house martins uh, in at number 58 what a good place to be. Don't believe it. I danced a lot. I danced inexplicably and a lot to this track with you in Gulliver's. Probably. Yeah. You you did that. It was your fault. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm not even in, I wasn't even into this kind of thing. Like, oh, it's happy hour. I don't particularly like the house. Mind, it's happy I do like that hour song. again. Dibby dabby dibby dabby dibby dabby dibby 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 Let's not forget one. he bassist would go on to do uh, Be Good To Me. Um, yes, and, yes, and, and, it's Norman Cook. And go on to be Fatboy Slim. Fatboy Slim. And, of course, um, weirdly, and in a bizarre twist, I actually spent an entire evening at one of the houses owned by 
the main guy from the uh, House Martins what? down the street because he owns an entire street in Hull. No word of a lie, he does. Paul, Paul Heaton, Paul Heaton. Yeah, so yeah, Paul Heaton owns an entire street of houses in Hull, and a couple of my friends lived in a house there. We had a massive house party, huge house DJ came. It was crazy, crazy time we had. And uh, long and short of it was, he wouldn't know anything about that though. So there you go. No, it just, it happened. He wasn't there. It, 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 the only good thing about that is that he was. He didn't get a complaint. Oh, so. that's good. That's good. But as I'm aware. Um, in at number sixty-six was Left of Centre from Susan Vega. Uh, not a point of problems. I think this is from Pretty in Pink, the film. Uh, I don't remember hearing it, but it's I a, don't know Suzanne Vega tracks by no. the titles often. It's a good. It's more. It's more of a catchy, uh, catchy tune from her than the normal stuff. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure this is in Pretty in Pink, of the soundtrack of that. Um, yeah, makes sense. Uh, at number seventy three was It's Horrible Being in Love When You're Eight and a Half from Claire and Friends. Oh God. <laughs> got your picture on me wall got your name upon me scarf <laughs> oh it's horrible being in love <laughs> i don't yeah that that one that one that's the one uh see, every day i hope you won't be late <laughs> we're losing we're losing listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly how the record company felt when they put that <laughs> bullshit out the, 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 we're actually getting negative everyone listens. loves claire and friends <laughs> Put a gap tooth eight-year-old out with a song about love, love lost. Oh, yeah, That'll true. work. And you put here that she went on to release uh, a full album called Super Claire, which named after <laughs> her second single, Superman. And the producer here was the same guy that made There's No One Quite Like Grandma. Hello. Isn't that absolutely crazy that on the back of the It's Horrible Being In Love Any Right Now, and I remember her singing that on Going Live or Super Saturday Store or whatever, mm-hmm. or Top of the Pops even. Isn't it mad that she went on to make a full album, a full album of that? No. No. Just no. 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 I'm going to say it. Let's no. move on. Um, uh, in at number 76 was Serpent's Kiss from The Mission. Um, I'd be very interested to know what you think about that particular track. I really like it. I like almost early mission stuff. You've put here, is this The Mission at their most Sisters of Mercy sounding? Well, yes, it's their very first single. So Wayne Hussey and Craig Adams, <clears throat> who were in the, not the first, but the first album, Sisters of Mercy. So First and Last and Always has Craig Adams and Wayne Hussey. One of their better albums. They're, they're probably the best. Um, they've only done three. Um, the vision thing's good. Yeah, but they've only done three. <laughs> so one of them is like, it's one, two, three. <laughs> one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> and Floodland. Uh, in the middle um so yeah so the the interesting thing is with that is that hussey and adams left um after uh first and last and always which was the first sisters album sisters of mercy that is they then actually went touring you may not know this but they went touring as the sisterhood or as sisterhood um now that i didn't know was wayne hussey part of the sisterhood well wayne hussey, wayne hussey and craig adams went touring as sisterhood playing some okay. early mission songs which they had written for for the sister mercy there are demos out there of some early mission songs with andrew eldridge mm. singing them um what happened andrew eldridge didn't like that so he then released the single um under the name the sisterhood to claim that name because obviously the they'd split in acrimony acri- wow, okay, um, and then incredible. Wayne Hussey has since there's a quote from him on Wikipedia saying it was a stupid thing to do. We really shouldn't have done that. Um, and so he's, yeah. he's, he's all right about it. And then they just basically became the mission after that. Mm. Um, and wow. their, and their first yeah. single was serpent's kiss. 
So that was their, that was their so debut the mission were huge, huge in America, I believe. Yeah. Weirdly, the, the goth were... contingent in that 80s cusp, because I think they wore kind of tiny little hats on their heads, didn't they? They did wear little hats. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were tiny hats. <laughs> How are they going to fit their hair under a tiny hat? I'm pretty sure they were famous for wearing quite tiny hats. Who not want... tiny, not tiny like a clown, but just what? maybe one one what? size smaller. <laughs> what what train of thought are you? <laughs> what is going on in your head? Do you know what goths are? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, if you think of, do, think do, of the do, success do, of those do, bands. Do, do, do. <laughs> Think of the success of those bands in the 80s. And their tiny hats. And, and their tiny hats. They don't wear fezzes. And then think of the films that some of those <laughs> tiny hats feature in, the John Hughes films especially. Uncle Buck, the main character, the girl character, wears a tiny hat. Oh, they're, they're a, flat, not, a flat top, right. like a boater's hat. They're not goth. <laughs> no, she's not a goth. I know but, what you mean, though, no. I know, you know, you said Uncle Buck, the, the hats they wear in that. I'm aware exactly. of the hats you're on about. Yes. Uh, 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 <laughs> you I can't just, argue I, it. I have fezzes in my head. <laughs> no, I don't know. You've always got fezzes in your head. <laughs> that's a tiny hat for me. I don't. No, that's that is a upside down plant pot. That is the not goth, a. The goths I knew and grew <laughs> grew up with and and knew in our hometown were not known for their tiny hat wearage. <laughs> no, because they couldn't wear it on their enormous hair. That's what but I mean. There, but there is a goth contingent that had. Tiny hats. Not tiny, not tiny hats. Not hats like pot pie hats. Hats that were just one size too small. So, and if you go and look at anything that the mission are wearing at that time, look at their fashion. Oh, I mean, Wayne Hussey used to wear a hat. Tiny hats. Yes. Tiny hat. What a tiny hat. They were like um, <laughs> Stetson styley, but not. I don't know. Tiny. Yeah, hat. Tiny. tiny. It's a tiny hat. <laughs> I'm going to put a picture on the website. You'll see it. It's a tiny hat. Oh, anyway. Now, that's not to say the Serpent, Serpent's Kiss is a great trap by them. What was the, the, the big album for the mission, though? It, we, don't, we might come to it later down the line, but what is the big album? For the uh, Children, is it? Children, children, I children's, the, I, think, the, I think, was their most popular. I think the, the most popular among their fans is the first one, which is God's Own Medicine. But which um, one's got Tower of Strength on? Because that that's, a, that's on Children. Track. Yeah. yeah so. Although... When I went to see them live recently, the biggest track that they play, which was the encore track, was Deliverance, and that's off Carved in Sand, which was their third album. Um, that is a good track, Deliverance, though. Yes, it is. Uh, Deliverance, the, I, I think, Deliver Me, that yes, one. It's the first three albums are all good. So you've got God's Own Medicine, which is very, they're very gothy one. Um, Children is a bit more rocky. It's got a cover of um, a Zeppelin song and stuff. And a, a, it's got a, uh, and, uh, it's got a cover of a uh, Aerosmith, Aerosmith track. Yeah, yeah, Dream, yeah. Dream On, isn't it? That's one of the best versions ever recorded. It actually. is good, yeah. And then, and then, and then, somewhere in the middle, getting a bit more Eastern influences. There is the Calvin Sound. Um, yeah, I'm, it I'm, went I'm, downhill when they recorded Russ Abbott's Atmosphere. To be fair, but it went downhill when they became the Metal Gurus, and they became <laughs> they became a pastiche uh, glam metal band. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be a pasty. No, you don't. Anyway, that's enough about the mission. Um, the next two I included because uh, we've got Is It Love by Mr. Mister at number 87 and Sweet Bird of mm. Truth from The The at number 88. And I just wanted to say that I hate band names where they can't be bothered to think up two separate words. <laughs> talk, talk or another one. I agree. So yeah, it's, just talk, la- talk. It's, just, it's just lazy. The The. 
yes, Mr. Mr. The, the... It's like you're not clever, just lazy. There, is, yeah. there are many, many words in the English language, and you can't be bothered to think of a different second one. Yeah, you wouldn't call your band crappy crap, would you? <laughs> well, at least that's two separate words. It'd be crappy crappy. Oh, crap crap. <laughs> crap, yeah. crap crap, yeah, doo doo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, I'm not, I've got yeah. nothing to say about those songs. I just wanted to put on record my annoyance for bands with this two word, two yeah. words to say. I didn't, I didn't remember either of them, so that's, I don't remember a lot about the, the, other than like you thinking that you just don't, Two se- the sentence doesn't start with the the no no that's just it's not gonna happen so no and mr and mr mr especially when you have the first one as mr mr and then mr is the thing but no but you know well the thing is that would have been clever if they made it a miss as in m-i-s-s and then some kind of italian variant like de mister that'd be miss de mister that would have been cleverer than just making it mr mister yeah yeah they should have hired me at the time i was available but they didn't Stupid bands that <laughs> don't hire the right people at the right time for and their branding logic. And, uh, they could have come into the Wybers in Grimsby, found you. Exactly, found me. I, I was easy to find. <laughs> you were. I was. I didn't really, really deviate from my bedroom, so I just knock on the door. If you, are you the guy that comes out with ideas about names? Yes, that's me. <laughs> I do, all the time, all we're the thinking time. Of, we're thinking of calling our band Mr. Mr. Don't do that. Call it Miss the Mr. Like a demister, like like a cloth you wave in a and a, yeah. What am I talking about? <laughs> I don't know because yeah. on eighth of June, on um, the eighth of June, <laughs> we had hunting high and low by Aha. Aha yeah, went aha, in at number yeah. sixteen. Aha, good, yeah. good song that is. Hunting high and low. I do like that one. It's a bit more slow paced from their first two. A bit more, yeah. mo- bit more moody and sort of evidence Darker. probably of their prog origins. Fifteenth uh, of June, Edge of Heaven from Wham, straight in at number two. Obviously, would go. To I don't remember one. that. How did it go? <laughs> Start off. <laughs> um, Take me to the edge of. <laughs> yeah, that. that's that's the one. Uh, in at number twenty-one on the fifteenth of June was Friends Will Be Friends from Queen. That's a that's a good track from Queen. Though. Don't recognise it in the slightest. Friends will be friends. That's any better, remember? <laughs> don't recognise it in the slightest. Um, 22nd of June, Papa Don't Preach from Madonna uh, in at number Papa 13. Papa did preach. Great. I didn't get into that. I'm a bit ah, like the guy, you know. great song. I'm a bit like the guy in um, uh, Reservoir Dogs, you know, once you hit that Papa Don't Preach phrase, I just kind of tuned out. Nope, that's brilliant. I love Papa Don't Preach. Papa Don't, the, the Papa don't preach. preach is a good song. Although, that's a good song. That although it is did, good. it is one of my better puns when we were doing the uh, songs based on foods and Papa Don't Preach was... Uh, <laughs> One of my better puns. <laughs> it is a very yes. Um, from the previous, it's a winner. Album, that one. It's like it's up there with Little Red Cars yet. To be fair, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. So let's move into albums. Uh, new releases in albums. First um, of June, uh, Into the Light by Krista Burr. Krista Burr. <laughs> How do you do that sound? <laughs> That sounds evil. <laughs> it's Krista Berg. Oh, that's crazy. He's in at number, in at number eight on the 1st of June. Chris, we like a crispy, bit of Krista Berg. Berg. crispy Burger. Yeah, he was... Um, he didn't get anywhere <laughs> if he was going on ferries, because I can tell you, he did not pay the ferryman till he was getting to the other side, so he didn't get nowhere. Lady in red. The lady in red. Yeah, awful. That's him, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's in at number eight. Three down from him um, is Who Made Who, oh. which should be Who Made Whom, but I, by ACDC. <laughs> yes, it should be that, yes. 
Um, it's not. It's <laughs> well, not though. If you're going to release a rock album, I I demand proper grammar. <laughs> yes. Who made who? Made who? Whom? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it is a very good track by them. Um, is it? I've... Who you made who? Yeah. We got like ACDC. <laughs> they do what they do, right? So. They do, do they do? They do that magic that do do. They do. They're just you know, <laughs> they they're, do they're a thing. cool band. They don't. They're a bit like status quo, but status quo get berated and hated. But they just do what yeah. they just do what ACDC do, and you know, ACDC do 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 what they do do do. <laughs> they do. They do do. They do do. They do do. do. <laughs> okay. um, on the eighth of June, kind of magic. Which went straight in at number one. Had one week there from Queen. Yeah. That was a straight Based in at number one. Based on the soundtrack of um, the film of the soundtrack of the film of the film <laughs> of the soundtrack. Which is, I wonder what they based the game on. I wonder if the game's based on the, the soundtrack. The game's based on the toilet paper of the soundtrack of the film <laughs> of the soundtrack of the game. <laughs> and then at, in at number 35, this made me laugh, was Emerson, Lake and Powell. Not, not Emerson, Lake and one Palmer. The, what? No, 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 no. Emerson, Lake and Powell. Okay. <laughs> they didn't want to change the logo from ELP, so they had to find a, another keyboardist. I don't remember a lot something... about him. Oh, he's really good, this guy. What's his name? Oh, Bob Smith. No, he can't join. <laughs> Bob Emerson. Um, slappy Lake. <laughs> Emerson, Emerson, Lake and Powell. Well, the only one, I only know the classic Emerson, Lake and Palmer track. Do, do, do. That one. Um... <laughs> Sorry. You might need to just do a few more notes. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I'll name that tune after more than three notes. <laughs> you know, that's all you get. That's all you get in. <laughs> is it Emerson, Lake and Powell? So close. It was Emerson, Lake and Palmer. <laughs> You're not winning. Look at what you, You're not right. Look at what you could have won. <laughs> You're not right. <laughs> oh, I love your catchphrase noise. <laughs> um, well, all right. Well, and uh, in at number seventy-two on the eighth of June was Wonderland from Erasure. Good album, but what tracks are on it? Because Erasure are a band of no, their tracks for me. Well, it's their first album, so I don't know. So, so what's on that? I, I don't know. What's on it? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. We could have looked. We should have looked, but we didn't. But we didn't. So. We should have looked because we'll get into the good stuff in a minute. Okay. Um, in at number one, so replacing Queen on the fifteenth of June was The Invisible Touch by Genesis. Makes sense. Um, then just because we've already mentioned them, we had Laughing at the Pieces from Doctor and the Medics. I have not heard an album of their tracks, I have to say. Would you want to? Uh, no. But uh, I'm intrigued to know if anything sounds different to the kind of pace and tone that they set for um, the one, maybe two tracks they had as a hit. Kind of sound the same. So I'm just, no, I'll, I'll look it up. I'm sure I'll find out maybe. it's awful, but I'll look it up. Probably. Um, however, then in at number fifty on the fifteenth of June, <laughs> and, and <I'll, laughs> we have now we have here an aid here and here. Now I don't know if this is supposed to be hearing aid here and well, aid, it is. but this is not about. But it's not for people who suffer from tinnitus <laughs> from he- too much heavy rock music, oh, which deaf. is what I thought. Which is what I thought it was going to be. Um, Afterwards, it might be. <laughs> yeah, it might be. So. This is various artists, various rock artists um, of, of the time have come together. Um, you put a mem- you put a, a list here: Dio, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Quiet Riot, Docking, Motley Crue, Twisted Sister, Queen's Queen's right, Reich, yep. Blue Oyster Cult, Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> I can't believe there's a band called Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> I can in that list. I can. <laughs> y and T, Rough Cut with double T, Jufra, Jufra, Journey, Wasp, and Night Ranger. As well as Spinal Tap. 
goodness me. So, what, what, what was Hearing Aid, Grey? What was it about? Because so you've, uh, you've, you've gone and looked into this. It's a charity. <laughs> it was a, chari- it a charity, it's a charity record. record released by the Kings of Burl. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much Burl and hair in that video for this. It's unbelievable. <laughs> if, it was because it became a thing, didn't it? So. Uh, (laughs) yeah absolutely but the recording of the charity album became a thing so there Uh was band-aid and then there was um (laughs) we are the world which was the american sort of michael jackson Uh so there was it was inevitable inevitable that something would come up and there was another one that we we talked about before with with um black lace and and uh oh uh yeah, uh, or the uh, the Liverpool one. Yeah, it had Black Lace and <laughs> yeah, yeah. it had um, uh, and uh, Motorhead. Motorhead. So this came along. This this hair and aid, and it is a. <laughs> I want to say it's. Is it thirty minutes? It feels like thirty minutes when you listen to it. Oh, the, what the, the main the main throat the, the main, main song, song from them. It's just this song like we are stars. I think <laughs> it's basically and yes and um it was I think. For a charity, and I'm, I'm not even sure what charity it was for. I'm guessing for the deaf with the name like Hearing Aid. I don't know. For <laughs> well, sure. if that's it. It's not. It isn't. That's the thing. So what? Uh, what it is not. It was. It, it was for a charity, right? So what was? What was the charity? Yes. Uh, let's have a look. It was organised, but proceeds from were used to raise money for famine relief. So, so it's it was, relief in Africa, right? So so it's, it was, why is it called? Hearing aid. <laughs> I don't know. Heavy... I don't Why know. Why is it just called rock aid like or they're something? Or... The death. Burl aid. <laughs> Burlesque. <laughs> so it's an album of all of these bands that we spoke about: Riot, Doc, and Motley Crue, Twisted Sister. Mostly the kind of lead singers and or guitarists. I think. I don't know that the rhythm section had a lot to do with this. So I'm just exonerating the bassists and the drummers out of this a little bit. <laughs> So they all get together, and you can imagine... If I say to you that it was an ensemble piece singing about We Are Stars, it, in your mind, I can tell you you are already envisaging lots of hair metal band singers and guitarists with headphones on, one hand on the left ear or the right ear, doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that is exactly what this is. This video is crazy, crazy. Apart from the fact that the song is obviously <laughs> making space... For the talented guitarists of the time in those bands, oh, of that, which there must be twenty, so they each have maybe a minute each, because that's a solo example, like <laughs> twenty-five minutes at least. It's it's endless, and the songs just get the song. The singers get more arpeggiated and, and higher in <laughs> pitch, so at least one of them is reaching the highest note they can reach. It's the, the, just a bit in the video. The bit in the video where they're all stood there in a in a in the big ensemble bit. It, it, it's just there's so much. Hair of on on head and chest. Um, <laughs> that it, it's it's just a load of you know, middle aged at this point sort of getting towards middle aged white yes. rock dudes um, with more hair than is really good for yeah. them at that age. Yeah, there isn't one person of colour in there, which says a <laughs> not lot. one that I could that I could spot. And um, um, do you know what? It's it, they're just trying to out rock white each other. <laughs> So it just gets, so it, it just gets, they're all pasty a little bit. The hair is just beyond belief. It's, there's so much hair in that room. It's a wonder that the room could contain it. There's so much uh, lacquer 
They're lacking with that room. I suspect I'm that, that I'm there was a hole over the ozone over that studio for at least two I'm months. It didn't, it didn't eat through the roof. <laughs> there is a serious ozone issue with the amount of hair yeah. and the burl. Goodness me, well, the burl. Uh, and the other thing that I noticed as well was that as the video goes on, the T-shirts get shorter. I'm pretty sure they're, they're slicing them in some kind of weird T-shirt midriff display competition. There's one guy that wears a white vest. <laughs> I'd hesitate to use the term T-shirt, but he, is, he wears an outfit that just gets shorter. And, yeah. and it's like someone's pulling the thread and it just keeps going <laughs> further and further up until eventually it's just going to expose his, his pigeon-like chest hair and his pigeon chest. And they're all, they're not, uh, the not thing is, these aren't muscular dudes. If you imagine, like, metalheads nowadays a little bit are kind of muscular dudes. There's some, like, proper, proper heavy-set dudes in there. These guys yeah, are, like, no, these... scrawny little pigeons. They're peck, pecking, yeah, pecking away at the guitars. You know, they've got arms not much thicker than the guitar strings that they're playing. So they're just kind of flimsy, floppy. You yeah. know, some of They have got good voices, some of them, but... You know, uh, the fact that they had all, Spinal Tap there, not say, under, it's all under pretense. Cut. Yeah, it's all undercut by having David St. Hubbins and yeah. Nigel Tufnell well, in the middle of it all. It. Well, the bizarre thing is they've got... And, oh, is it Derek Smalls? Derek Smalls. I can't remember if it's Derek They've got Spinal Tap in there, but they don't realise it's a piss take, and that troubles me massively. Oh, they must They must know. They must know that Spinal Tap are a piss take. They so serious and straight down the line. I'm not sure that they do, but you know what? Uh... It's not a great song anyway. I'd, I'd like to know how much money it raised. I'm suspecting it's probably about 52 quid, <laughs> which somebody just gave him. <laughs> we paid for the lacquer. But I also was very interested to find out more about the bands Vanilla Fudge and Night Ranger. <laughs> we'll bring that to you on another podcast, <laughs> yes, we will. please. We'll, we'll da- Vanilla we'll, Fudge. We're going to do a deep dive into Vanilla Fudge, <laughs> and, it, and it ain't going to be pleasant. <laughs> it won't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that fudge is melting oh, I've come up with vanilla on, <laughs> under my nails because it, those tracks are so hot they melt the sugar <laughs> anyway, anyway. Oh, 22nd of June the Queen is dead <laughs> that's the Smiths alright that's the, that's the Smiths happy yeah. Smiths Straight. never invite them to your birthday that's not why I always, I always no, thought no don't anyway Morris is an asshole recently um, yes yeah, number two, that went in at the Smiths. Number two, The Queen is Dead. Um, and then at number 16 on the 22nd of June, Bring on the Night from Sting. Don't, don't remember uh, it. It's actually not a bad album. That's his. I think it's his first solo album. Or was, was that Dream of Blue Turtles? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> One of them's pretty good. Or is that his that live genuinely album? Genuinely a real album title by Sting, Dream of Blue Turtles. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He may as well have, a do- well have <laughs> an album called Masturbating <laughs> Dolphins. <laughs> like dream of blue turtles <laughs> it is mind it is it's the same difference okay. um 29th of june let's move up because we, we're coming to the end of this now 29th of june london zero hall four from the house oh. martin straight at number three Did you dig, honestly hand on heart i like the house I, no, martins I liked, just you know no no, no i liked uh happy hour that's about it Can you, um, well, i don't I, even know what their other tracks were you will do. Uh, they did uh, Caravan of Love. The was that the House Martins or was that the Christians? Yeah, that yeah, was the Christians. No, no, no. That was, that was the House Martins. Eh? Oh God, no! Stand up, stand up. It was the Christians. Up, stand up. No, it's the House Martins. Okay. Every woman, every yeah, no, man. Yeah, I remember the that song. One. I just thought it was the Christians. That's <laughs> no, House Martins. Don't like that one though. 
then we had Intermission, at, uh, number 22 from Dio. Oh, we've experienced his bell we'll get... in the uh, compilation. <sighs> we seem to be, we have a lot of Dio recently, yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, the official soundtrack for Labyrinth from Trevor Jones and David Bowie <laughs> in at number 38. Um, That's a good soundtrack, uh, to be fair. It is, Come it, on. it is a good soundtrack, but, you know, it's a, his trousers, it's got, his trousers it's disturb bird me. Bird bulge. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is menaced. He's got bird we are, um, we, are, we, are, we are menaced by Bowie Bulge. Bowie Bulge, yeah. You remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the bulge. What bulge? Bulge of Bowie. Ba- what Bowie? Bowie, the man with the bulge. Bowie Burl Bulge. Massive Bowie Bulge in that. Goodness me. Uh, it's like that uh, gladiator in that crap vert the other week. <laughs> oh, he was menacingly. He was bulging of pat. <laughs> he was. He has got massive. Right. He's the king of the goblins. So, and he, and it, Jennifer Connelly is what yeah. fifteen, maybe fourteen in that, and just presented with mm. Bowie cock. Essentially, a lot of that <laughs> film is Bowie cock. So, and I, and I think that changed her mind to lead her into the kind of film she ended up in. Yeah, quite possibly. And she's a beautiful um, woman now, a very beautiful woman then, but she's a beautiful woman now. So, and I think in the back of her mind, she's thinking, if only there was more David Bowie. <laughs> Bowie bulge. Bowie bulge, yeah. <laughs> I saw my baby bulging hard as bulges can bulge. <laughs> Let's bulge. <laughs> bulge out your bulge and dance the bulge. Stop, 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 for God's sake. <laughs> Ziggy played the bulge. <laughs> bulge genie. No, no more, no more. <laughs> Seriously. That's your music for June 1986. We'll be back in a bit um, with some more games and crap. So I don't know. There's some stuff coming up. We're coming back with stuff. Bit. See you in a bit. Bye. <laughs> Shout out to our sponsor, davidhernwriter.com, where you'll find bargain books and audiobooks. Dave's next book, Escape from the Commodore 64, sees someone trapped inside their computer, finding themselves having to collect lanterns while being chased by a ninja and his green friend. Can they make it out alive? It's coming soon. Visit davidhernwriter.com, that's david, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com, to find out more. Dave's podcast pick is Raise the Titanic, and, being ridiculously hard to solve, He'll shout anyone a drink who completed the game. All right, we're back with our last set of games for this week. Uh, Let's waste no time. (laughs) No time to waste. Over (laughs) to you for this one, because it's your thing. You love this game so much, it's you. Uh, Yeah, it's me, isn't it? So what's this? This is Fairlight. So earlier on in this episode, we said we liked an isometric game, and we said we didn't yeah. like another one. Now, here's the one we didn't like. Just so, you know, you can fast forward now about 20 minutes. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> if you do like Fairlight, you're probably not going to want to listen to the next bit. Because Fairlight is an isometric game that is so slow, I thought I'd gone back in time. Um, let's, so that aside... You are tricked and trapped into Castle Avars. Avars? Avars. Avars. Whatever. And our hero of is... Ars. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Castle of Ars. Yeah, that's actually better, yeah. And our hero, Asvars, Isvar, Isvar, must puzzle and fight his way through an isometric castle to find the mystical Book of Light and free the sorcerer who led you there. Yay, fantasy nonsense. Um, it's slow. There's no beating around this bush. This game is slow. It is a isometric adventure. Um, you wander 
through rooms of an isometric style. The graphics are you know, high res and quite nice. It looks like a Spectrum game though. Single single color. Every screen is a single color. It has one color and black. Um, your sprite is a one color and black. Um, you wander from room to room. You climb stairs. You can pick up stuff. You can fight things. The controls are weird um, in that you can you move you know up down left right in the isometric way. So up is top right and left is top left. Ugh, that nonsense. Um, and you can fight by pressing, I think, the bottom right part of the keyboard um, or something. You can pick up stuff. So each, it's not just one button. It's a section of the keyboard, which is kind of odd. But I can kind of see why they've done it um, because you're just jabbing at a key. You know, you're jabbing at keys, basically. The 3D, you know, it's quite nice. It's one of the better looking sort of isometric keys, but it's so slow. It's so slow. Um <laughs> The music's okay. Feels a bit like a knock another knockoff wizardry track. Um, yeah, which it is. It, it's so I, can't, I don't know. It is. It, it's an isometric adventure game, but it's borderline unplayable because as soon as if there's only you on the screen, then it's okay. It's, we had this with Brian Bloodaxe many, 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 many moons ago. But as soon as there is anything else on the screen, this just turns to treacle. Um, and you know how the hell this got ninety percent in the Sizzler? What are they on? What 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 world what world are they on? Drugs where this is or something. Ninety percent. This is it's clever. You know the climbing the stairs, the going up, the moving from. But, but, but it's just unplayable. It's literally unplayable because it's so slow. And they 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 mention this. All three of them mention this in the review. They do. They go, oh, I know it's slow, but once you get past it, you can't get past it. Nope. <laughs> you cannot get past the slowness. Um, and for me, oh, it's so slow. It's you know I kind of want to like this because it has an intriguing atmosphere and it's a nice looking and but no the speed just destroys it but were, were you any different i can't i don't really want to say much else. it's slow what do you want to say about fairlight because he's barely playable yeah um, what do you want to say about that i was no different from your appraisal um it is a depressing spectrum port that was predictably badly and badly rendered <laughs> and slow and crappy um i actually timed it to walk across the screens. Wow. I know that might be sad, but I did. So to walk from the top left of the screen you start on to the bottom right, and I don't mean the bottom right of the screen, but in the angular Mm -hmm. isometric way, it took me one minute and 40 to (gasps) scroll across to find a locked door. (laughs) Then I had to head all the way back and pick up a scroll with that bloody awful plinky plonky crappy music all the way through. In graphics in that beautiful monotonal black and blue or black and white. Or black and this yellow. Was, or black and... This was a bad conversion. I'm sorry, but it was bad. I don't care how much game you put behind what there is in there. This is bad. Yep. And so I'm essentially sludging my way through Monoville, looking for things to pick up and do. And, and I couldn't do that in any re, in any realm of, of efficacy. And so for me, it just felt like a, it was just a spectrum game running badly on something else which is exactly what it was so i think this was a bad conversion Mm -hmm. i don't think it deserved the praise they gave it because i think they were being overly generous the amount of time it takes you to go from a to b this game is an a to b game it requires you to go from a to b and b to c and, and pick up the thing and do the stuff and it takes you ages and ages and ages at one point i was kind of pushed off the screen in slowness by the enemy that was just pushing me off the screen. I'm like, what are you and what is this rubbish? <laughs> yep. 
And I think unless you can manoeuvre yourself around these landscapes in a, in a reasonable speed, which I'm guessing the Spectrum does because of its graphical qualities, um, if it's not capable of producing that kind of experience, all you are going to end up with is that horrible slowdown effect. And it really is noticeable and bad in this game. Mm-hmm. So this is a another poor conversion, another badly made high-res game, another bad port and i think it's time that these just stopped this was a massive egg laid by a dog (laughs) and i was done with it from the moment i took me the best part of three and a half four minutes to do try and do anything yep so good luck with this game if you like that kind of explorer thought thing is if you like this kind of game these arcade adventures where you explore go and play any one of them or any one of the games we've talked about that aren't in this view so go and try Master of Magic or go and try any of the side-scrolling ones, even, I would argue, Manic Minor. As much as that's a crazy, crazy game and supremely difficult, it at least has the um, the audacity to not present you with this slowness. It's at least at pace of the speed. Monty on the Run is better than this mm-hmm. in a game that's where you're going around exploring and collecting things. So just don't entertain this nonsense in your life. I am shocked and appalled and... Um, and I, I was never a fan of these games to begin with. I, I knew when, as soon as I saw the word Fairlight, I thought, this isn't the demo group, and the demo group is an amazing thing. This is something to do with the god-awful games. And when it came up, Fairlight Prelude, I thought, you know what? This is 9.95, so it's going to be all all tape box and nice poems and pretty stuff and stuff that comes with the game. The actual game itself is going to be an isometric nightmare why it got a sizzler at 90% is beyond me. I don't get it. I, I genuinely don't. I don't. I read the reviews and I don't understand how they came to that conclusion. Their brains must just work differently. That's all I can think of. So, no, no. You're, you're absolutely no, right. No, no, no. Yeah, this is, this is bad. I, and I didn't like it then. And I do remember playing this and thinking, oh, it just takes so long to do anything and it's so boring and you die and there's boring things rolling around and boring, boring, dull. Boring, boring, boring. Boring. Yeah, slow, dull nonsense. Fairlight, no, no, the bad game because it shouldn't shouldn't really be released. This is it's it's, bo- it's like I said, it's borderline unplayable. Um, that that to me, you know, if like said, if it takes you one minute forty to walk from one side of the screen to another, that's not scrolling, <laughs> and it's not massive. No, that's not scrolling. No, that's just the time it took. Yeah, exactly. And, that's and, what and I mean. this part of you. Part of you could say, you know what, I'll accept that speed. You know, if that's the way they get, if that's the speed the game operates, I'm just going to go with it. But it's not exciting. No, I tell you what, go on, go on a and a roller coaster at Alton Towers. Go there tomorrow. <laughs> go on the, and then say to the guy that controls it. To be fair, can you just make this go at like three mile an hour <laughs> for the whole journey? <laughs> then tell me how exciting it is. Apart from the fact that you might fall out of the damn thing, just tell me how exciting it feels to go at a slow speed on a roller coaster. Then we'll come back to this game, and you can tell me actually, yeah, you were right. So that's a very elaborate thing to do. It is. That's a, it's a strange analogy, but I'll go with it. It is. It I'll it go is. with it. I'll go with it at a slow pace. If you if you rode a horse with three legs, it's not the same <laughs> as a horse with four legs. Actually, it might be. Don't worry about the analogies that we're coming out with right now. Just don't play this <laughs> no, game. Just don't play it. See what it leads <laughs> you to. It leads you to three three legged horses. <laughs> three legged horses, and that's never a good thing for anyone no, no. or anything. No, enough about Fairlight. It's rubbish. <laughs> yes. Goodbye, Fairlight. Mm-hmm. Rubbish, rubbishness. So we'll go on to our next one. Three left. What we got? Uh, it's, you know, uh, this is a well-respected game, I think. See what we think about this one. 
Uh, Graham, tell us all about Cauldron 2, The Pumpkin Strikes Back. <laughs> so this is a, a um, palace game. Mm. And let's just go from the outside in and then the inside out. So the outside in... So we're on the, the outside, pal- we're so on the outside of the pumpkin about to cut ca- yeah, you know, so, so, Yeah, exactly. It. So we're on the outside of the pumpkin, the outside of the package, and the Cauldron 2 package is good. Mm-hmm. It, it looks good. The packaging is good. The game has got all the tropes. When you get into the opening sequence, you load it up. It's got that amazing Richard Joseph music. It's got the graphics are high res but well defined. Mm-hmm. Even the graphics that are in the background are kind of medium res but beautifully created. Everything about this game shouts that it's quality. Mm-hmm. And this is a palace trope, but it is it immediately shouts that to you. This is a follow-on, obviously, from Cauldron. And it actually follows the story of Cauldron in a kind of inverse. So at the end of Cauldron, I don't know if anyone's ever got to the end of Cauldron, to be fair, because it's so stupidly difficult. Mm-hmm. But at the end of Cauldron, you actually fight the pumpkin. Pumpkin man, the pumpkin, the pu- a pumpkin. And the pumpkin bounces around in that. So, in this weird reversal of fortune, you actually play the pumpkin in this game and you're actually striking back at the witch. So you've got to collect the objects in this environment and when you collect the objects, in a kind of a, almost a nod to the ultimate sentiment of gaming. Mm. So you've got to go in the environment, collect the things, and it feels a little bit like an ultimate game. So there well, are what, hints actually, of no, It feels like game. what an ultimate game wants to be. Yes, yeah, it does. It, like, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it has that kind of, it, it, the way you shoot in this game feels like Attic Attack and mm. those guys. So it, it has that kind of feel, it does. So I think Palace Games have adopted that, in this instance, have adopted that kind of, we're going to do ultimate games on the C64 because as we've seen in the previous episode, Ultimate just have just lost the plot and I think they're in the corner somewhere just slowly injecting heroin or something, <laughs> something, something bad in their veins. It's just going to ease the pain of what they've done. So we get this game, Cauldron 2. Now, Cauldron 2 is essentially, so you've got to go around the environment, collect the things. However, you are a bouncing pumpkin, and the mainstay of this game's controls are that you have to control your bouncing. So you bounce, like proper bounce, like bounce, bounce, gravity-based bouncing. And you can control the velocity and the challenge of your bounce with your fire button and the joysticks. You can move directionally. That's how you control this game. There's no alleviating that. You don't collect things that make that easier. That's how you control this game. And therein lies the problem. Because they've made an amazing looking game. And it's beautiful. With amazing looking sprites and amazing interstitials and amazing details. And they've borrowed so much from the ultimate game book of games, for want of a description, that it has all of that pedigree. So it feels like you were about to play something very special. And it is. But it's too hard. It's too hard to control. You're controlling a bouncing pumpkin across multiple levels with very little say in how it goes. There are insta-kills on spiders and gargoyles and things like that. The challenge is incredibly hard, incredibly difficult. Um, and I think that the game is impossible. And I've, But I know I've seen it done on YouTube. I've watched a YouTuber do it. So it's doable. But I think from a from a load it up and play it philosophy on the tape. And I'm going back to, you know, Bobby McGee playing it back in the time when it came out, not some guy that's had the benefit of a thousand YouTube videos. I think it's impossible. So you control a pumpkin that's meant to, you know, that survived this game one, and you've got to collect the six magical items and do that thing. They're scattered around this castle, and you have to collect these things by bouncing and eventually confront the witch and everything else. Are you ever going to get to that? 
Never in a million years. Never in a million years. And so it's it's a tragedy, this game, because it's beautiful and amazing. And, and Zap gave it 94%. It was 8 99 They gave it 94% in a Sizzler. And I think it looks like a Sizzler, but I think it plays like an impossible game. And I think that's the greatest tragedy of Cauldron 2, is that it's such a beautiful game to look at, but so insanely difficult that it, I think, actually makes it impossible to play, really, over time. Because I tried to play this, and I really went to this, and I really liked it originally, and I had the original levels, I bought it as well, and I could not penetrate this game. And I tried. And even with the new game, the new one that you can download with the unlimited lives and unlimited magic, I still could not complete game it is just too hard so i think it's a tragedy because it's amazing but hard which in a different industry as we've said it's a totally different <laughs> argument but in this particular instance with the bouncing no, I mean, balls I mean, I mean exactly with the balls bouncing i just I, it, and i really felt the thing is i really felt it this time i didn't feel the balls that sounds terrible <laughs> I, I really felt the pain of this game this time i felt i felt the difficulty level because i wanted to like it so much because I had such an affinity. And then, and I love the music for Colton too. Richard Joseph's score for this and the sound effects are brilliant. Mm-hmm. They are brilliant. He captures the filmic tone, which he captures again in Sacred Amavans here. The guy could really do that. And, you know, it's a tragic loss to the game industry when he died. And this music is amazing. And there's been so many versions of it that tells me that it really captured something. But the tragedy of it is that it's in a game that's wrapped in so much difficulty that it just, I think it frustrates more than it, in, more than it pleases, um, which is not, anything you want to ever hear in any <laughs> tinder review so <laughs> what about you did you enjoy Colton 2 or did you feel the pumpkin strike back uh what did i text you <laughs> yeah he was angry <laughs> i messaged him after i was playing this and it yeah. was just a it was just a stream of expletives it was, it that finished with f cauldron 2 pumpkin <laughs> f cauldron 2 i know what it stands for as i believe um I'm the same. I mean, what, I'll just read what I've written. It was his great intro and title screen, great music too, great graphics, and so very nice to look at in game. If only it wasn't such a pig to control. Yep. Bounce, bounce higher, hit something, die, cackle, fume, bounce, fall, die, try and shoot, die, bounce, cackle, die, turn off. That's yep. kind of it. That's what I felt. One of the games that I was, I was desperate to love this game. Same as you. It looks yes. so nice. It, it feels so good. You know, in, in its aesthetics, um, you know, it's 94%. You, you you think it is the problem me, but the control method just ruins it. There's there's so little. There is so little control. Yeah, it's so absolutely. annoying. I, I, again, I similar to you. I like that they went for flipping the you know the the game the original game on its head. So instead of being the witch up against cauldron up against the pumpkin, sorry, you're the pumpkin up against the witch, and you got to you know. And there's these flick screens. There's a flick screen collectathon. Um, it's above most others. If you know aesthetically, it is a step above. This is some of the best graphics I've seen on the system. Um, I mean, I love the gargoyles in particular. The gargoyles are amazing. The way they sort of flick, you know, turn around and look and everything. God damn the control system! I just put rope. I just ended it with just bring on Antiriad when they come to their senses. Um, yeah, yeah, but even that game suffers from problems. Well, but... it, it does, but Antiriad is controllable because Antiriad, yes. you know. <laughs> Because the, the the thing that I would liken Cauldron to is imagine Whizball, except yes. you never progress from the opening control scheme. Yes, that's yeah. it. That's, that's, that's it, isn't it? That's what Absolutely, that's what yes. Cauldron Two is. If Cauldron Two offered, as you said, power ups, progression, something to control the bounce, which I don't think there is. I don't believe mm-hmm. there is. That's all there ever is to it. You could have like, yeah, your opening sequence, you get that first bit, and then you gain some control and. 
No, don't, if you click the wrong thing in this game, it reverses the controls and makes it even harder. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> no. It's just, it's such... Fr- it's tragedy. It's frustration. It's frustration on a level that is not often... I get frustrated with some games, you know, Fairlight, we, we hated the, the Empire, whatever. But Cauldron 2 is, is so close to amazing. You know, if it's they'd beautiful. have done, like, um, if they'd have had... Because at the beginning of Whizball, you bounce left to right, but and then you get the first one, which I think is to control. You still bounce it, but you control how much you spin, which is kind of like you know the directional when you hit the ball in pong off the bat. Yeah. You can kind of control it a bit. And if they did that in this, so you could spin the pumpkin slightly or not, so you could bounce ever so slightly and then really spin it if you needed a big jump, that would have been much nicer. Would have yeah. alleviated even, just, even if the main character bounced, but just in a small, in a tiny way. Yeah, and that was just the way that he moved. And that you could just press fire and, and the bounce is a, a thing, but not the main thing. Because there, it, it, there's parts and there's parts of this game that render you completely dead and powerless many, many times. Yeah. Because of the way that you have to control it. And I think it, it actually works against you, not for you. And it's not not something that you can actually get better at because it is what it is. Yeah. And I think that, that was my main beef with this game is that I'm never going to get better at this control system because it, it is controlled how it's controlled and and I, I found it frustrating in the end and in a way that frustrating in two ways frustrating because i couldn't do what i wanted to do i couldn't move where i wanted to go couldn't collect things i wanted to collect frustrating because it ended up with me dying for stupid reasons that i didn't feel like really were my fault mm-hmm. and frustrating because i couldn't just go where i wanted mm. i couldn't you know because if i couldn't jump onto the platform and it when it and it's not just, remember it's not just about the, the jumping and the and the and that it's the bouncing off things as well. So you yeah. bounce off objects. So it's like if you want to jump up to a platform, you can't just jump up to the platform because if you hit the wrong thing, you bounce off and it flings you so far off to the left that you end up on the next screen. And it's just even thinking about it now. Makes me, <laughs> I get, and I thought, you know, I thought Nodes of Yesod was a uh, pain in the ass. And, and Underworld. Yeah, exactly. This is, honest to God. On a different you know, level, yeah. Somebody, then, took, somebody took some roids <laughs> and, then, and then in the angry roid tiny penis fusion when they were making this game just wrote this game code in like 10 minutes in an angry no one's controlling this game but me you know an Excalibur moment you know terrible oh dear yeah it's such a shame it is a well carved pumpkin on the outside but filled with bitterness and anger that's a great statement that does not belong on the game box no but it fits this game but you know as soon as the thing is it's slick and I said I said this you know I said this about Cauldron it's there's the slickness to palace games. As soon as that palace castle appears at the beginning, you get that do 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 do. It has a filmic yes. intro quality. I know it sounds silly on eight bit, but it does have it. And they borrow that for Barbarian. It's in there for Sacred uh, of Antiriad. It's in there. You feel like this is a game produced by a thing, and it's just a tragedy that you can't control this stupid pumpkin anyway. Stupid pumpkin. <laughs> it is. And, and this is not new. This is not me being you know, nearly 50 and not even able to control this. I banged my head against this back then because something gets 94% and looks this good. I'm going to play it in 1986. Yep. And I did yep. play it. I played it a lot. And I got and I got exactly the same amount of frustration as I exactly. just did. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe time has been kind of it. No, it hasn't. It's just been, it's just been, it's just remained as frustrating as ever. Exactly. And it, actually, at the time, I went out and bought at least 20 pumpkins, tried to bounce them off the floor. They don't bounce at all. <laughs> so it was a lie. It, the pumpkin was a lie. It was like uh, the Halloween 3 movie. 
Um, so now eventually do did do did do did do did do did now and now actually happy, happy Halloween. That, that actually makes me think do you think this game you know it's got Shembury and everyone on it everything but do you think this game was actually conceived by Donald Cochran yes I think uh, Connell as, Cochran as, uh, Connell Cochran sorry Connell Cochran as a as a joke on the children because you can't I think control it, is, it yeah you can't control it and if you play it often enough and you get to the right stage your head turns to a Massive snakes and, yeah. and bugs. Yeah, I think, I think maybe I, there is. I think we may be on something. So it's probably for the best that we don't play this anymore. No, I think um, the only way you could ever get good at this game is if you lick one of the... Uh, one of the uh, <laughs> Careful where this is going. <laughs> one of the rocks of Stonehenge is what I was thinking. Oh, of. right, um, yes. Yeah. Triptychs, I believe they're called, but one of the rocks is what they are. Yes. So, um, yeah, there we go. Cauldron yeah. 2. It's a shame. It's a shame. It could Cauldron have been brilliant. Poo. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, we like to, we like that nomenclature, don't we? The whole day now. We've got to do that. Cal- we have, it's, yeah. cauldron, it's cauldron poo. Cauldron the poo. Pumpkin striped cack. Nice looking cack, though. Yes, it's a beautiful. It's absolutely. Well, it's well carved. It's so frustrating. Let's it move is. on. Let's move on. All right. Move on. To the comet. Oh, Good my- luck. <laughs> what? All right, the comet. So this is another Firebird treat. Um, uh, I put the title screen doesn't bode well. I can't remember what what the title screen was. What was it? Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, it, it was awful. Um, oh, that was it. Yeah, it was just a comic game. Wasn't it animated massively, repeatedly. Because yeah. I put how many times do they need to spell out the comic game. Yeah. Um, and I oh, put, so, I put so many sprites in the border and everything. Yeah, it's... I put anyway epilepsy inducing intro over with it. Let's get into the main game. Um, so what the comet? So we looked at the crap vet for this, and this pr- promised some kind of crazy mad action. You won't believe it, and, and, it, and it's to do with Harley's comet or something, and all this kind of incredible promises. Now we should know by now that Firebird promise but deliver nothing. Um, and in this point, they've delivered negative. Um, is the only thing I can think here because they've delivered f- this game is. It's not a game. It's five mini games spawning yeah. at random, and you have to complete twenty of them. To I don't know because I didn't get anywhere near completing twenty of them because they're all stupid. You have to fix the coffee machine. You have to fix the life support <laughs> system. You have to fix the radar that needs realigning. The computer breaks down at one point, and then there's some crappy missile command knockoff thing um, where where things are heading towards the ship, um, and these randomly just say whatever they are. They you got to complete 20 of them. Um, and I, I don't know. Something about you get to shoot the germs Awful. that are heading to the Earth. So the comet is heading towards the Earth with germs on it, which will then, you know, infect everyone. And that's what you've got to do. This, you know, I've written, this is anger inducing this game. I was angry playing this game because it was stupid. It was stupid. Cons- Not only that, I've no, I'm coming, it's coming back to me. I think I wiped most of this game because I was so angry with it. But I've written, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, written, I've written the word bananas with an exclamation mark. And that's just there are bananas yeah. in this game when yeah. you slip up, yes. yeah. like some humorous yes. attempt. At, you've slipped up, bananas. God, is what this game is so rubbish on every single level that it's. I don't even know what it is. It wouldn't even, the mini games wouldn't even make the drawing board in the Frank in Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, that's the way I put this because the mini games Frank Goes to Hollywood, you know, crap all over this. It, this game is shambolic. It is an affront. It is. It is bad because the, there's nothing to this it is a, a mess of parts that don't gel god i hated it did you like it no no i did <laughs> not my comments with this were the opening screen ah <laughs> yeah uh 
just those sprites flickering all over the place in some kind of half-assed <laughs> attempt at being techie demo clever. Yeah, because they're in the top again. and bottom border. It's which te- at this te- point, tech it's, nonsense, it's not. Isn't it? It's not hard to do to do put sprites in the top and bottom border. The side borders are a little bit more difficult than the C64, but top and bottom, not really. No, it's a quirk of the DO11 register. I'm not going to get too techy about it, but that's what it is. Um, the long and the short of this game was um, that, uh, in my mind, I wanted this to be like a crazy comet. I thought, in my mind, it'd be crazy comets. I did not expect a some kind of weird survival <sighs> game based on five mini games where I was going to have to make coffee. Um, and if I died, I was just presented with a screen full of bad bananas. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. And it was just blocky and indecipherable and just a massive waste of time. It was just rubbish. It was a game that was clearly rushed out for the release of, you know, I, there was no, the thing is that that's the crazy thing. The Hades Comet at the time appearing in the sky is an amazing thing because it happened so really and blah, 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 blah. So to, to celebrate that by just releasing a piece of crap you may as well have just gone in the street, just taken a crap in the street, just pointed to that and gone, you know what? That is my celebration of Halley's Comet. Because it's the same difference for this. It's just rubbish, blocky, indecipherable, waste of time and effort. Just go and get a telescope and look at a comet. Yep. Because there's loads of them in the sky. Just go do that. And the controls were incomprehensible as well, weren't they? They're like. It made no sense. What's the cop? Why the coffee thing? Nothing. No, yeah, nothing was conceptually consistent, coherent. It didn't feel like it was finished to me. I mean, I have to say that it didn't. I mean, and even forget, if you got, this is this is from the hot range as well. Yeah, even if you got past the, the, the coffee creation thing, which I'm not even sure what the hell that was. No, but even if you get past that and you're going past this clickathon of icons and clicking and more clicking, if you get to the, I want to say. Uh, um, the level where you've got a spaceship and missile command type missiles oh, flying it's towards you. It's uncontrollable. You can't stop it. You can't win. But even the they don't seem to have any impact. It, I'm looking for sense in a game that is stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, this was programmed by people that were clearly smoking weed. <laughs> uh, it's just awful. And uh, it saddened me, really, because I thought, you know what? There is inspiration in comets. There are, you know... There are films out there that make a bit of a big deal of that. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, there are, what's that enormous sci-fi movie in the 80s? Well, do you mean Deep Impact with, and Armageddon? No, no, before that with Patrick Stewart. And it's got that woman with her boobies hanging out all the time. And Oh, uh, Life Force. Life Force. So Life Force is about a comet passing by and these people go to it. And they, you know, this, this could have been more like that, you know, more boobies. <laughs> But it didn't have more <laughs> boobies. It had less boobies. And, and not boobies aren't the big thing. It, it, but you know what? If you're going to do a game about comets that are passing by, just put boobies in them if you're not going to make it interesting. <laughs> you know, because that's, you know, there are people out there that like it. I am one of them. But there are others. Oh, I'm just looking um, at screenshots so, of it. I forgot that intro sequence where you whiz along the trench. Well, I came up with a plan for this game. I don't know if you realise this plan, but I came up with a plan, which was, you know what? If you're really feeling a little bit raw about the whole thing, go to your window, your plain old window, whether it's double glazing, single glaze, doesn't matter. Get a paint, a paint brush and some paint, a white paint, maybe luminescent, even better. Put a dot on your window, on your window. Turn all your lights off and just look at that dot in the dark because you'll get more enjoyment of looking at that and thinking it's a comet than you would this stupid game for seven ninety five at 38%. Just don't do it. And if you feel like you think, oh, I need to play the comet, oh, go to the toilet and go for a poo and flush it, flush it away. 
and go, uh, look back at your dot. That's the best way. Just do that. You know, go for a bow, bow movement are the answer yeah. for this. Awful, awfulness. Awful. Let, yeah, bow, let, it's about if your bow movements are more interesting than this stupidity. And who released the comet? Was it Firebird? It again? is a Firebird from the Hot Range, as I said. Fire Turd. Fire, yeah, yeah. Fire Turd. <laughs> They're letting down their own logo. Fire Turd. <laughs> they are. Let's move on, for God's sake. Let's do it now, the, please. Yeah. Goodness. I can feel the poo coming fine... on. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can feel the poo coming what? on. And it's going to be comet oh, shaped. No. I'm going to drop a comet. <laughs> I'm going to do a comet right now. <laughs> Let's move on to our last game, please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> please, um, anytime now. Okay. And our last game is, Graham, Raising the Titanic. Or Raise the Titanic. Raise the Titanic. <laughs> do you know... Okay, just to set the context of this, and this is a surprise thing as well. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, the film raised the Titanic, and this is nothing to do with the film, I don't think. Is it? A it's not a license, Aidy. I don't think. I don't. I don't think so. I no. might, might very well might be. I mean, around the same time, the film was not very good, if I remember rightly. No. So the thing is with this is that in the there's a film called Raise the Titanic, and that film's actually about raising the Titanic from the depths. I don't think this game is called Raise the Titanic Everywhere. I think it's just called RMS Titanic in other countries, I think. Yeah, I think it might be, yeah. So so this is a game basically about the shipwreck of the Titanic. And so that makes it quite interesting because I quite like it. I have a bit of an affinity for... I'm, I'm from a mariner family, so I've got mariner. My dad was a mariner uh, and my brother was a mar sea mariner, obviously. So, you know, I have an affinity for ships and the sea and things like that. <laughs> what are the kind of mariners out there? Grimsby football mariners. I'm not sure where I'm going with that. The long and the short is they were they were in the I was going to say in the sea. There was <laughs> I didn't want to say they were seamen because it all sounds horrible. But there were people that were at sea. Anyway, obviously we all know the story of the Titanic. But just to recap, it sank and it was a big ship that shouldn't have done. So there you go. There's that. That's the uh, the TLDR of the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> it should have that should not have sunk. Um, so this game is about um you are in the control of a crew who are controlling a submersible vehicle that go down to the titanic to uh, explore the depths of well there's a few things you have to do you can explore the depths of the titanic and find treasures and hidden things and things that were part of the titanic thing the film of the titanic has somewhat tainted <coughs> the idea that there was this treasure in there and this heart of the diamond forget all that in this game, you control submersible vehicles that go down to the depths of where the Titanic is. The idea is partly to collect treasures and collect photographs of things that are on the Titanic and partly to switch on the inflatable things that would otherwise inflate and raise the Titanic to the top. Now, aside from the fact that somebody once said that it would have been cheaper to lower the Atlantic, that was the joke, um, this game actually I found really weirdly intriguing mm -hmm. so the game itself is played out from an interesting point of view so you have control of a submersible vehicle and you actually see out of the eyes of the vehicles a first person kind of thing and you control the lighting that's predominant in that and you have some things that you have to control so power and or air obviously so you're down at the depths of the ocean so those are the two prevailing factors uh, there isn't a lot of light down there so you have to turn on your lights which drains your power powers uh, something in, in is not an in infinite supply so you've got to make good on trying to navigate the titanic and finding things of interest 
because you have to find treasures and things to come back and either impress the press and your investors with so they will continue to fund your dives to the Titanic or you're going to find sort of some kind of superfluous Titanic-based gold, some thing that is amazing and potentially raise the Titanic by inflating these balloons that are positioned about, I think, eight positions around the ship. So there's a, actually quite a lot to go at. The presentation of this game is from a... There's a several point of view. So the point of view is that one of the main points of view is you get kind of a, a bitty camera view of first-person view of exploring different doorways and going through and looking for objects and things there are. The other views are in the game that when you get to the surface, you've got to convince your investors that your time spent with the Titanic is worth doing. And you've got to convince the... Um, not just the not just the investors that have invested the money, but you've also got to convince the general public and everybody else that what you're doing is worthwhile. So there's there's several missions going on at once. Is your dive into the Titanic going to unleash any new information? Is the Titanic something that is worth investing in for all these investors that are basically hoping you'll find treasure? And you've got to go down and investigate the Titanic wreck and find it. And so when you go down, you're into kind of a map view and combined with a first person view and you've got to navigate your way around there's a lot to like there mm -hmm. that's a great that in in essence that's a great game that's a good game to go down and investigate and find and i actually really enjoyed that so it's kind of a mixture of submersible sim with action adventure and i genuinely did not think i would like it i genuinely didn't think i'd like it at all and i actually really really enjoyed my time with it i really got into it i was um deep diving now it got a bit weird it got a bit <laughs> weird because because the rooms that i was investigating kind of got weird so i would have expected to go down to the titanic and find the main lounge and uh the hallway and the ballroom maybe but i was presented with room names like first class lounge okay bacon <laughs> um, and you never random... been to, you never been to the bacon room this is where Richard Bacon lives. Also Francis. And so I have to tell you this. This is the true fact. So I dived the depths of the Titanic in this game, looking to find these and trigger the balloon so I could raise the ship. What I actually found was bacon um, and towels um, and just random objects. Because you've got like a claw, a robot arm that you can trigger mm. and pick these objects up. You can only hold so many. And the idea is you can bring them back to the surface. They have value. There's probably jewellery in there. I never found any jewellery. I just found meat <laughs> and bread <laughs> and really weird things that wouldn't have survived being in the depths of the ocean. And so I was just thinking, is this some kind of weird floaty-based meat-finding simulator? <laughs> um, I didn't know. So you know, deep-sea bacon, is that a thing? Well, maybe it should have been called Braze the Titanic. <laughs> So I just found really random things. And the, the actual view, when you float down, because you've got control your descent and you can pull yourself back up and all of that. When you see the view and you control your cameras, when you get used to the keyboard controls a little bit and the, and the joystick controls, it's actually quite an intuitive game. There's actually a lot of game in here mm. and there's a lot to enjoy. And the look and feel of it on the surface is a little bit, could put you off. If you just get a little bit past that, as much as you might spend your time wandering around rooms called Bacon and cheese <laughs> and you might find actual bacon and cheese which i can tell you has no real value whether it's <laughs> off the titanic or not um i think it just felt like there's a long task ahead of you 
and I enjoyed my time with this game and I and it was a real surprise to me it's my it's it's become a real interesting game for me mm. because I went in thinking it was Raise the Titanic and in actuality this is a game that's got multiple layers because when even when you get to the surface you've got to ring people you've got to convince them that you're the fines are worth the things they are I had a very hard time convincing the the Arab sheik that his investment was worth me just bringing bacon from the <laughs> Titanic I tell you <laughs> Um, because I just brought meat. I brought bacon and there was a ham, I think, as well, and bread. I just brought food from the depths of the ocean. I was like, look, look check out this Titanic bread. It's like, no, I'm not. Just, this is not worth doing. So I I actually, those things aside, this is a nice game. It's a game that takes its time over things. You're playing it over a long period of time. The oxygen in your submersible lasts ages and so does your power. So it's not like you're going down there and there's a panic to get back mm-hmm. out. You can really explore the depth of the Titanic. And I, I actually, in a really obtuse way that I can't explain, really enjoyed it. But, you know, I might be just, you know, another Rose de Winter <laughs> hanging off the edge of the Titanic. <laughs> Jack stood by and I jump, you jump. And it's all got a bit weird. And, you know, it could be just that. It could what be. What about you? I mean, what about you? I, I just want me, I just want you to draw me like one of your French women again. So, uh <laughs> For the for the third or fourth time, I, I, I know something. Sort of I I like the way you capture my uh, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, your, your your use of light and shadow is <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's de rigueur. Yeah. <laughs> it's the duissimo. <laughs> um, anyway, no, I like yeah. This is all right. It reminded me of Hacker. Yeah. Um, in in a certain sense, not yeah, not so much gameplay wise, but in feel and tone and um what it was what it was trying to do because you've got these sort of icons at the top haven't you when you're at the top when you're on land and you can decide to you know dive or go to talk to yep. the press and i got i got into a weird uh um one-on-one interview with pc world at one point i don't know why i was, don't know why they were interested in me going down to the titanic they were like can you make did a video you... game of this well no they were like oh <laughs> did, you, did you find better things than me i found a playing card an ice cream, I, a towel, and some ham. I think I found a towel. I didn't find much else. Um, so, but I, I just—that was the thing. I just went through room to room and didn't really find a lot. I ended up in a lot in the boilers a lot. So I didn't—I yeah. didn't find these exciting bacon rooms or the meat the meat processing stuff. I, I, I missed took all a this. screen grab. Oh, good. Put, we'll have to put that out so people can see the bacon find. Um, no, it, it is good. It's interesting. It's different. Um, and what did this get? It's got uh, 88%. I think it's about right. Um, I really did like, um, I think it's a very clever effect, the underwater viewpoint when you turn the light on and you get that bitty effect. It's a very clever use of using the technology. I thought it was clever. It, it uses the technology that's available to render something that is, because obviously when you see those pictures of, especially from the 80s, those you know those really grainy images of, cameras yeah. down at the bottom yeah, in the ocean yeah, yeah. it's very similar to that and works really well very um i i, I yeah I, I liked it would i go play it again i'm not sure it's it's a game mm-hmm. i can admire and i think is quite good and i think there's a lot to this if you enjoy these kind of um simulation yeah you know, working them out you're going to get a lot from this this is another good one like i said in the style of hacker um you know and so okay. i would i would i would recommend it I don't think it's entirely for me, um, but I, I, I can't. You know, I, I think there's a there's a really good game here that I can appreciate more from a a, a distance. It, 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 you know, than than actually being really into it. But yeah, I thought I, I think it's worth its uh, score. 
and uh, I'm quite, you know, I'm, I'm glad you got into it. I think that's uh, this is good because I think it deserves it. I think it's a, it's a decent enough game. Um, but yeah, that's the uh... well, yeah, because at that point in time, so if we roll back the clock to 1986, mm-hmm. they didn't know a lot about where the Titanic had sunk. They didn't know a lot about what had happened, and they didn't. There was a lot of question marks. I mean, mm-hmm. these things got answered later down the line. It's easy to look at the film Titanic and the the dialogue and all the things that that created. And even when you watch the film Titanic, as much as obviously the mainstay is a fiction about Jack and Rose, Mm. the footage at the beginning of that when it's filming the Titanic is the actual Titanic. So, and obviously 1,800 people lost their lives. It's it's a tragedy. It's a maritime, real maritime tragedy. It's horrible. And so there is a whole story around Titanic and that has been something that's pervasive throughout maritime history and then into the film. So at this point in the 80s, a lot of those questions people people were still thinking about the kind of mythology of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. So it sunk and it, it no, I even I knew at the time, um, it hit an iceberg and it sunk. Yeah, based on the old movie that we saw and those things. The night to remember in it. Yeah, night, exactly. Yeah, totally. And mm-hmm. it's a that is genuinely a great black and white film. Even then, and uh, the new Titanic borrows a lot from it. But you know, we all had the basic information. Let's say. Yeah. Um. I like the fact that this allowed me to explore that wreck. And it felt like I was really exploring it. But I think I'm benefiting from looking at things that have explored Titanic so I know what it kind of looks like. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, it's hard to... If you played it back then, you wouldn't have any clue, would you? But playing it now, you've seen the, the James Cameron documentary no, that he made exactly. side of the thing. So, But but it just shows you how good a representation... It's like you said earlier. It shows you how good a representation of it that that was. Yeah. Because, you no, know, the footage comes later and it isn't that dissimilar to what you played in that game. Yeah. And to re- few, to, it might need a few bubbles and a couple of fish, but that's it, all it needs. Yeah. But to, to render that, you know, on an 8-bit machine with very low resolution, I think it's, I think it's quite clever. Um, yes, I think I, I think there's a my only disappointment was I didn't find the uh uh the Irish floor uh, <laughs> the party which, floor yeah which I was looking you for you to a real party the spinny floor <laughs> yes where they just spin yes yeah. I, I have to say that was disappointing that's in steerage so it's about nine floors down uh, shame I was looking for it I was really looking for that but I yeah, didn't find it was it. a massive it was a massive shameless we couldn't find it <laughs> it was uh yeah so it, <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> uh, uh, right, race Titanic. Yeah, it's good. Unusually good. We like race Titanic. We that gets us up to the past approval. All right, that's our games uh, for this week. Let's before we sum up, we've got and now I am sad to say um we we've we've alluded to this on a few times before in the last few episodes but adverts are getting just they're just getting better and so finding the crap verts is becoming harder so we're well this is it this is your last set of crap verts um it is what it, 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 it is what it is we're going to sort of change things up a little bit over the next few weeks but uh we don't know what that's got to be just yet maybe we'll see uh but right now this is it this is your final crap verts and we've got we've only got two um and we'll go through those now hopefully we'll go out on a on a low um <laughs> which i think is probably without, right without a doubt um so well, our, we will our first one is tubular bells now here's the thing right i downloaded it i thought you know what what the game i'm interested the... no yeah i did oh okay. i was interested and so so i went and got it 
Okay. And and it is a series of graphic presentations. Is it just a screensaver? With, yeah, essentially with, with a really weird 8-bit version of Tube of the Bells in the background. The whole album as well. Would you so, have, would uh, you have been happy to have paid £8 for no, that? No, I would not. <laughs> just buy the album. Um, no, just buy the album, for goodness sake. Um, it's really weird. A musical and visual experience is pushing it, to say yeah. the least. Visual, maybe. Musical, no. Um, it's really, really weird. It is just that graphic that you see at the bottom left on that image. That's pretty much all it is. It's a screensaver. Do you remember when uh, Winamp yeah, yeah, yeah. used to have visualizations? That is that. It's just a visualization to the music. That's all it is. A crappy 8-bit version as well. You could, if you were feeling kind of fruity, turn <laughs> the sound off, play the record or CD, maybe, at this time. And just watch the visuals. And you can change them as well, so you get controls. It's just a visualization tool. That's all it is. It's really it weird, isn't that. it? Yeah, it's just, it's like watching, do you remember when, uh, if you drew, it's, it's a spirograph. It's a living spirograph, if anyone remembers spirograph. Those yeah, yeah. Things. Yeah, it's one of those, so <laughs> that's all it is. The advert is just based on the uh, CD cover of the, with the weird tube of the bell thing. They've made it into more of a, spaceship i think it does look like a spaceship because it's in obviously it's in space because in the background there's the earth and the moon yeah and i don't um, remember the is the original tube of the bells cover a spaceship or I, is it just a bell i in thought a it tube was just shape? i thought it was just a bell in a tube shape like that and i don't care that is the earth but that is not the moon because not, not only is the reflection of the moon wrong because the sun can't, can't be in two angles at the same time <laughs> but there's an enormous crater in the moon which which would would be noticeable. We'd yeah. have noticed that. And, and it I would be noticeable. I don't think I don't recognise that um, continent either. No, uh, that is uh, some like, kind of ubiquitous America, Brazilio, Australiac. Yeah. Looks like Wangland. Something. And the if you look at the scale, the unless the camera is incredibly close to that triangle thing, yeah, yeah. which it can't because of the moon, it means that that uh, tube of the bell is about nine billion miles across. <laughs> <laughs> which is which in anyone's world is a large and l- large and loud um loud sounding bell that's gonna make which it, that isn't that's gonna make a hell of a gong a hell of a if you bong. clang if you clang that bell the earth is gonna shimmy and the moon's gonna um wobble <laughs> Ex- explode but what, yeah, <laughs> what i do like though on this advert there's at least the one thing i do like i mean there's obviously the logo at the top they've been font fontally i don't know if that's the word consistent yes that's nice yes. finally nice to see and, and it's a tube <laughs> yeah. tube font so it's it it's, 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 it's thematically consistent it is apart from the new wave which is a, i think we've come across them before haven't we though, new, wave, the new wave we... is the logo for the the company so I'm, I'm, yeah, i'll let them uh, off for that yeah but uh, didn't we say before that that was it looked like it was something off a gary newman album it did didn't they do that id game yes so but i think what, uh, what i do like though is that should you wish to get this post haste, you can dial the hotline. <laughs> that, well, you would want it, wouldn't you, for that? Yeah, you would it want to dial and... the hotline, and there's the number there for you to dial, which is for listeners. You can dial this at oh one five three three two nine one eight. What baffles me a little bit is that the new wave writing is okay. It it does not need a left and right border. Number one, it just doesn't. You don't need borders on things. No. No, just re- just remove the border, and also you can remove the top and bottom border. You just do that now, and you don't. If you're going to apply that kind of uh, effect to the writing, just apply it to the text. Don't apply it to the background as well, so you get that kind of weird grayed out, opaque version of the same effect. I'm being very picky because that is exactly what needs to be done. 
Um, it would have looked nicer if it was just the new wave writing at the bottom, by the way, not the top, of um, uh, on the Space Star's background and the giant tubular spaceship, which is in this one, I think, Yeah, um, would have <laughs> made more sense. Um, it seems like a lot of money for what it is, and I played it, and I can tell you that if I'd have paid eight quid for a game where I was essentially just changing the colours of graphs, I would have been quite annoyed at myself. Because it's essentially... Music or otherwise. It's essentially one stage from Battlex, isn't it? Yeah, it's that, without the game. Yeah, yeah that's it what is. I mean. It's that, that, end, it's yeah. that end stage, that visualizer it, stage from Battlex from Minter. So. It, it exactly is. A vi- it's a visualization. There's no game in it. It's not, there is nothing about it. It, it does say it's a musical and visual experience. I would struggle with the musical part, but the visual experience is something that it does attempt to do. Who and did, I suppose who did it's the music early. for it? Now, that is a very good question, which I did not dive into. That would be worth checking out in the old uh, HM SIDS and the SIDS archive to find out who it was. It's not awful. It's just not very good um, in a game that's principally based on being about tubular bells. But it's, it is the whole album. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Anyway, that's tubular bells. Our last crapvert then is from Bug Bite. Last crapvert of all time. It's just a, a. It's a menacing confliction of I don't know what. Olo. It's Two, a throwback. It is. This looks like something that should have been on a advert in 1983 or four. Um, so we've got it's black and well, it's it's black and white and pink. Um, it's got one yeah. color. It's got a load loads of games covered on it. There's a screenshot there which looks like some cross between Space Pilot Two and Z and Parallax. Yeah, and Parallax. Yeah, it's called Olo, but I don't know why because yeah. it's got two hot games on one tape. First mission and final assault. So what's Olo? Yeah, don't understand I don't know. it. Why does it say that? It says Ace Action with graphics and Sonic straight from the arcade. Oh, dear, I don't mate. believe Terrible. I don't believe that. Um, and then no, at the bottom, we've got good. we've got a series of games here. Um, <laughs> sod off the what now? <laughs> Journey to the center of the Earth, uh, <laughs> and all these are accompanied by a, a barely legible picture. Uh, yeah. We've got Sod off the Sorcerer, <laughs> <laughs> or Sod off. I don't know. Sort of. It is that is sort of. It's yeah. sort of sort of Savage Pond. But didn't we mention that ages ago? We did mention Savage Pond ages and well, ages that, ago. Well, I think that, almost but, way back in episode one. Yeah, I think so. Or two. Uh, I think it was. Yeah. We've got something called Solo. I don't know what that is. And oh, we've got dear. Jack Attack, which might be uh, some kind of King Jack Kong and, related. I think King Kong or, or, or Jack and the Beanstalk. It's weird because it's like King Kong, but in a formal suit almost. I think it's Jack and the Beanstalk, but if you actually look at it, can you read the text in that? Because I'll read it out to you. It says, a great arcade adventure, an epic struggle, Beebstalks. What? In that Jack Attack. (laughs) But Jack Attack also now has no K in in Attack. Yeah, it says Beebstalks, look. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's a spelling error. (laughs) And cartoon animation for the uh, BBC Electron. They don't even care. About the BBC Electron now, to, 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 to spell check it. Problems. The fact that it's got a two ninety five butt plug firing <laughs> in from the right uh, is bad enough. The fact that it features a game that we mentioned weeks ago for being absolute ass cake. Um, a game called Sod Off tells me that this isn't great. Um, none of the none of there's only one screenshot from a game that doesn't seem to exist in actual reality. Yeah. The Bug Bite logo is the stupidest logo ever. It's like some guy with happy feet face. It's like he's got feet growing out of his face. He looks like an angry he's a bug. strawberry. He's an angry strawberry. <laughs> and um, and it says, you know, it says at the bottom, it says, um, bite me t-shirts. mail order and bite me t-shirt, small, medium and large, three quid. Yeah. That is cheap for a t-shirt. That is cheap. But, but who would wear that? That's actually only five pence cheaper than the games they're offering. Uh-huh. 
That uh, tells me that they, they, they value their games only five pence less than the crappy t-shirts they had made. Indeed. I'd have a t-shirt that said sod off on it. <laughs> sod off. Sod off. Sod off. Magical 3D animation. The images that go with them. The Solo, which for me is probably some kind of onanism game thing. Well, hang on a minute. Yeah, possibly. Sod off the Sorcerer says magical 3D animation with the latest Yops course. Sorcer- <laughs> Yops course. <laughs> sorcery. Fast, furious, and the mythical... What does that say? Something Grom's not good. to cope with. Ah, oh, crap! It's a proper crap advert. This to end on. It's a yes. mess of a. It's a mess of an advert. Exactly, and it is. The thing is, this advert is actually characteristic of why we started to do crap verts in the first place. It is, yes. Obviously, we know now this is the last crap vert because crap verts genuinely got better, and we are facing less and less crap verts and more and more good verts. And, and adverts and the ones that are like this are few and far between but you can see why they were so crap mm-hmm. because they are a throwback to when games were just you know titles and, and ideas and very little anything in between no real graphics and it's such a throwback the whole bug back thing it's, it's interesting and it's it is a last bastion of the whole crap vert thing yeah it's a great choice it's a great choice for the last one and i'm going to ring 01439 0666 <laughs> and I, I, want, I want my three quid t-shirt you better be there bug bite because i'm calling you <laughs> we should do it now live on air <laughs> i'm doing it <laughs> There you go. That's your crap verts. That is the end of the crap verts. Unless we find something more, I'll still have a look. But generally, we don't think we're going to have much more because they're just they're just too right. They're just they're all right these days. Um, so that's that. Um, so that's it. That's our week. Um, what did we look at um, aside from all that hair for hair and aid? Um, <laughs> we, Bill, all the burl. All the burl. Uh, we looked at V Spin Dizzy Empire. Um, what else did we look at? Oh God, there's so much music. We looked at Fairlight, Cauldron 2, The Pumpkin Strikes Back, The Comet, and Raise the Titanic. Um, that's it for this week. We looked at that crap vert. Um, next week, we've got games like Spellbound, International Karate, Bomb Jack, uh, Bouncers, Ping Pong, Starquake, and a special section. Ooh, Ooh a special section. Ooh. <laughs> so there you go. Mm. Um, that's it for this week. Um, I don't think there's much more to add, is there? Are we done there? No, I think that's it for this week. I think that is generally it. More than enough. I think that is more than enough. God, we've been going for ages. Um, right, so there we go. That was episode. Yes, that's this episode. We are done. I am Adrian Mills. I am Graham Radding. And we have been zapped to the past, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. 
The Zaps of the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.